the blast from our past network. Hey everybody out there, what's happening? This is Thomas G. Waits, Windows from The Thing, also The Fox from The Warriors, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Don't worry, you can stay up late. It's okay. Your parents won't yell at you. Enjoy. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Walter Hill's The Warriors, starring Michael Beck, Thomas Waits, and Deborah Von Valkenberg. All right, boppers, welcome to Podcasting After Dark. This is the episode where we break down my all-time number one favorite film. It is the 1979 Walter Hill classic, The Warriors. I'm just going to jump in right in and say that. Um, I am one half of the pad team. It's me. I'm going to call myself, well, Swan's my favorite character. I'm going to call myself (laughs) Zazu Pitts. (laughs) And joining me as always is my roguish, beautiful, blonde, buxom beauty. What am I going to call you? What, what are you going to call yourself, Corey? I was not mentally prepared for this at all. I would have brought something Sorry. to the table, Sorry. but how about how about uh, Sizzle? I'll, I'll be Sizzle, baby. Ooh, like and and it's with sizzle. a C. Sizzle with a C. <laughs> yeah, Zazu would be, if we ever do a Western, that's going to be my Western name, Zazu Pitts. But okay. <laughs> for the Warriors, uh, whatever. Hey, here we are. We, wow. we have come to the moment in our podcasting career where we are breaking down my favorite movie of all time. Um, I am so stoked for this. So excited. The uh, oh my god, I'm just chomping at the bit. <laughs> You're like beaming. I can I can see you over there. You just like you look like blissful. You, you don't even you don't even like look too excited. You're just in like this blissful haze. You're like oh man, like a man who's watched extensively his favorite movie of all time just now and and broke it down. That's the kind of man you look like right now. <laughs> Well, this is my Star Wars. This is my Jaws. This is my Indiana Jones. This is whatever. This is my Aliens. Yeah. Uh, For me, uh, nothing's going to deter me whether people like it or don't because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I grew up on this film. I have a history, a deep, deep history with this movie, and I cannot wait to uh, break it all down for you. Yeah. And it's it's kind of perfect, dude, because – we are the exact opposite when it comes to this movie, whereas I've only seen this three times, and two of them were in the last couple of days. So the wow. first time I ever watched this movie was with you. Now, of course, I've known about it, and I think at this point, if you guys and gals have all been listening to the show from the beginning, you can probably figure that this wasn't necessarily, probably wouldn't have gone into my radar. You know, it's just, it's not my cup of tea, but. I do know the significance of it. I do understand the significance of it. But I feel like 
this is awesome. Like, how, how many cult movie podcasts in 2021 have have a co-host of the age 42 that has really not really seen the Warriors that much? So I'm hoping that I can give a bit of a fresh perspective and a with no nostalgia connected to it whatsoever, and just look at this with fresh eyes. And also, by the way, I I showed it to my wife. Um, she was she was not didn't seem like she was excited to watch it. But when we were done, she actually very much enjoyed it. She said that was a very fun movie, and she had a good time with it. So I'm going to, I'm gonna since you kicked it off at the beginning saying this is your favorite movie of all time, I'm going to tell you, I very much enjoy this movie. I very much enjoy it. And I'm I happy can't, to hear that. I, can't, I really can't <laughs> wait to kind of pick all the little pieces and everything and uh, with this thing. But that's pretty much the extent of my of my knowledge of it. Of course, I knew, I knew about the video game. I'd say... I'd say when Rockstar put out the video game, that really caused me to be like, holy crap, like, like I should probably pay attention to this. Um, but I never did. So you played the game, right? It was a prequel to the movie, if I'm correct. Um, no, it actually is. It's, it's um, gosh, it's been a while since I played it because it came out for PS2 yeah. back in the day. Uh, I still own it. Of course I do. I own so much random paraphernalia memorabilia from this movie it's not even funny it is funny it's it's, it's impressive i think uh i'll <laughs> we'll, we'll you fan, listeners will see a little bit of it on the podcast on the instagram page eventually yeah. but um yeah uh yeah I, I believe i'm trying to remember now i'm pretty sure it's a prequel and then but you play the whole game you play the movie you okay so it kind of goes up into the movie too and everything yeah. cool and if you pass the movie you can uh you can yeah, it actually goes into a little bit of the backstory of the deleted scenes that were left on the cutting room floor, which gloriously are on the Blu-ray that I got you um, for this viewing. Okay. But yeah, yeah, the original, um, the the gameplay is it's 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 Rockstar game, so it's basically it uses the same uh, kind of template as Grand Theft Auto. You can do all those, but it's got almost the entire voice acting cast. I'll talk about who's missing off that, unfortunately, um, from the from the original film. And yeah, it was phenomenal, dude. I played that game. It wasn't just the fact that I loved that movie, loved this movie, but it's the fact that the game was fun. Yeah. And, and the challenges were original and, and, and unique. And man, it was like a lot of love was put into a, a pretty, I don't know, I wouldn't call this movie the top cult movie of all time. Uh, but the fact that Rockstar Games put so much money into a fairly obscure cult film. Yeah. Like, you know, not everybody knows about this. It's big in the hip hop community. It's big in the underground community. And when, when that game came out, I was real. I was actually working, doing a lot of stuff in the video game industry. And I remember a lot of people were like, when it was announced, a lot of people were like, holy crap, like, what is Rockstar doing, like, getting, like taking a property from 1979? But I do remember yeah. when it came out, and the, the reviews were, were really good for it. So That's great. I think at this point, um, I, I'm going to check the PlayStation Network, because uh, I got PS4, so I want to see if there's, a like, an HD-ified, you know, uh, a version of it, because I would like to actually play it. But movie-wise... When did, when do you remember the first time you saw this? Do you have that, a oh, memory yeah. of that? Okay, yeah. And so every yeah, go ahead. So, no, sorry. no. I was just gonna say you you go for it, buddy. Tell us your your whole history of this. <laughs> every moment, every viewing of this is is purely vivid for me. Um, I watched it for the first time with my brother Eric at my dad's of all places. It was on during the day. Uh, TV twenty thriller 
uh, Saturday afternoon horror and cult films, and they showed this movie in like 1983 or 84, I want to say. Uh, I remember it coming on and just loving it from the beginning. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, The Warriors, that's a cool movie. And I thought, wait, my dad saw a movie that I actually enjoy? Awesome. This is great because we never really bonded over that sort of thing. Um, I watched it several dozen times since then. Uh, then I, when I was working at Video Man, I remember, I remember it was the first film that when I figured out how to copy a VHS from one VHS <laughs> to another where you, you plug the two VCRs together, yeah, right? Yeah. It was the first one I ever did. Um, and I remember being obsessed that there should be like no glitches, no little blips. I love all the, like the, the little blips and glitches VHS tapes have now, but back in the day I wanted it pristine. Of course, right? of course. And I remember doing, recording it like three or four times, just having to get it just perfectly right and watching it three or four times in a row. It was my background movie when I would be doing homework. It was my nighttime movie when I go to sleep other than Fright Night. Uh, so it, it, it truly is your aliens because I did the same yeah. thing. Whereas, uh, like, like if I was at home in the afternoon, uh, and I you know wasn't doing anything with my friends or something, I was like just drawing or something in my room. Just aliens would be put on on, on the TV. So like, I like to joke that like I've probably seen aliens like you know 50, 60, 70 times. But I've listened to it like over a yeah, hundred. You know, so so that's the same yeah. way with Warriors for you, right? Oh, ditto. Yeah, I listened to it, uh, having always on the background whenever I would you know, date somebody or have buddies over like, what movie are we going to watch or background noise, you know, put it on, put the warriors on. People would be like, what's this? Who are those baseball guys? Oh, I know the baseball guys. I'm like, yeah, the baseball guys are a very small part. Let's just, you know, <laughs> um, but then probably the most memorable of all my memories with this movie is the fact that, um, the beastie boys used to have a store in Oakland called Oakland, California called extra large, and they sold a bunch of skater and rap, uh, hip hop merchandise, T-shirts, clothing, stuff like that. And they had a Warriors baseball tee with the logo, with the cast, like an like a like a cast photo from the set with the Warriors tagged in the background. And I remember wearing that thing all the time. It's my favorite shirt to wear. And I wore it when I was working at uh, this place called Pace in Sunnyvale. It's a uh, school for autistic children. And the shirt, I had my nose broken because by an autistic kid um, because he grabbed my shirt and I grabbed, uh, he was going to attack me, never, like, regardless. regardless. Yeah. But he was about to rip my shirt. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And when I pulled his arm back, that's when he pulled his other arm back and hit me in the face and broke my nose. Um, he was, to be totally, you know, like, uh, full disclosure, he had severely emotionally disturbed tendencies and had a lot going on. He was yeah, horrible upbringing, all that. It wasn't his fault. He yeah. didn't mean to. Yeah. He couldn't control it. But I was like, no, I'd rather have my nose broken <laughs> than get my shirt ripped. Man, that and, says pretty much everything about it. <laughs> well, and, and it says one more thing because, because this was either before or after that ha- incident. Um, Terry was working at Pace and he was higher up than me. He kind of was in charge of um, a bunch of kids at the school, like a director or, or something like that. Anyways, one day at school, he's like, that's a fat T-shirt, bro. And I'm like, cool. Thanks. Thank, thanks, man. Like, we really didn't know each other that much. And he was, his, and he was uh, a couple days later, he was go, having his going away party because he was leaving work. And he's like, hey, bro, uh, you know, I'd love for you to come 
to my thing. And from that point on, he's like, bro, I, the, I saw you with that shirt on and I knew, I knew we had to be friends. And, <laughs> and this, to this day, and I know he's listening to this, to this day, he will always call out the fact that it was me wearing that shirt, which is what brought us together. One of my all time longest, closest, dearest friends, Terry Chapman. Terry Chapman. And I know this because you've told it to me and Terry has told me this story. <laughs> yeah, we are we are definitely those those old people who like tell the same story. You remember the time we saw that shirt? Uh but yeah, that yeah, that was the story behind the shirt. We he and I have watched the Warriors probably at least ten times together. Nice. Uh, which has annoyed the hell out of our buddy Matt Garrison. And um yeah, man, like this this movie has a long lineage. So I, I've seen it on the big screen several times at the Egyptian, at the New Beverly, at the Arrow on on um on on Montana and Santa Monica. Yeah. In fact, Terry came down for that screening, and James Remar, who oh. plays Ajax in the movie, was there. It was a double feature. I've seen that. Mo- I've seen this movie with Walter Hill doing a Q and A afterwards, and then James Remar was there. I got to meet James Remar uh, afterwards, and he uttered one of his most famous lines, which I'll save for later. Has to. It starts with "What's What's the matter? Are you going?" <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> He he dropped that line on Terry and I because we gushed all over him. He's like, "What's the matter?" You you know, and uh, yeah. did his thing. We got a picture with him. Uh, I met Michael Beck. I've met Deborah Van Valkenburg. I saw this movie at the Hollywood Cemetery in Hollywood on Deborah Van Valkenburg's birthday. Oh wow! And we all sang her happy birthday. Turns out she was right next to me when we sang the oh, song. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, dude. Like. The, and then, of course, obviously, we have Thomas Waits on our show and got to interview him and talk about Fox, which we'll get to, obviously. Yeah, too. we'll we'll discuss Fox as as things happen in the movie. But this this movie, um, you know, merchandise wise, I've I've tried to buy every piece of merch that's come out from this thing. Uh, I'm obsessed with it. I have you and um, Diallo and I think Terry and Jeff. Uh, Braylowski, we we I think you guys pitched in and got me those double oh the Mondo uh, posters, Mondo yeah, yeah. Warrior posters, which we'll definitely show on the on the Instagram page too. And then like those are beautifully, you know, in in the living room of our house. Yep. So we've got all these pictures of Bodie's art and shit around, and then we've got these pictures of warriors on the wall. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Zach is the real deal when it comes to the warriors. And uh, I gotta I gotta say, man, uh, you know, because I was with you when when you met Michael Bean, which means you met both Dwayne Hicks's. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. Fun yeah. Fact. So, and for that's for people who don't know, uh, James Remar was uh, cast as Hicks in Aliens. Um, he had some, I think, some drug troubles and everything, and uh, they, I guess, they fired him and they brought in Michael Bean. And in the movie, there in Aliens, there's only one shot that is James Remar, and it's when they first walk into the hive, and you kind of have this shot where they're looking at the ceiling, and the kind of camera sort of pans down and 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 looks forward and you see Hicks in front, the Hicks that you see in that shot is actually James Remar, not uh, not Michael Bean. So I did not know that. Yeah, it's because that was actually one of the first shots they did in the movie because um, if you look at it, it's not actually a set. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a composite piece and very hard to do uh, by making the ceiling look that way and everything, so they couldn't reshoot it. So that's cool. why he's still in it, which is fine. You can't even tell that it's James Remar, you know? No. Well, yeah. you can you can tell. Well, it's interesting that he got fired from that, and Thomas Waits got fired from the Warriors, and they 
replaced him with a stunt double that looks nothing yeah, like him. Nothing so, like him, yes. But we'll, we'll get to that sad story later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's my that's my you know quick as a as a quick as I could uh, summary of what I. My history of the Warriors. I, I mean, you know, it, mine with aliens is going to be just as long. So <laughs> guys and gals, be prepared for that. Uh, but yeah, if, if you guys have been listening to this show since the beginning, you you probably know that this is uh, Zach's favorite movie. And uh, judging by the response that we've gotten today online, just for me posting the, you know, what we're going to review tonight. Wowie, wow, wowerson. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of downloads on this one. So well, I'm, I, I I'm excited. Well, I the reason I jump started this movie was because we were able to get Thomas Waits on yeah, the show. I figured because you mentioned that you we were going to probably not do this anytime soon, or maybe we were going to do something different with it. But I figured once we landed Thomas G. Waits, that's why you kind of pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, I was saving it for my birthday, and then I and then we got the interview, and I'm like, no, let's do it all in a bango bango tinga tango. And by the time you know, obviously, people who will hear this after the month of January. Uh, will not necessarily know this, but you know, in this month alone, Walter Hill's birthday is in January. We're recording this in January. Thomas Waite's birthday is in January and David Patrick Kelly, who plays Luther, his mm. birthday is in January. So DPK, a uh, shit ton of warriors, you know, All and, right. and I, I, I might as well just get to the cast and the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into it because there are a lot of people. And then there are also a lot of people that, have never done anything else <laughs> and no. I, and and remarkably I really like them so there there's a there's a lot to talk about but it's definitely an interesting collection of of actors and and whatnot and by the way I have some hidden ones that I didn't I you know. didn't personally know I'm sure you do and I don't know if you want to call them out when when the time comes one of them is a baseball fury right um okay um, um is an actor that we know from a movie we've actually reviewed, The Exterminator. Um, and then another one is a director of a movie that we've reviewed on this podcast is in this movie. Oh, yes. And you didn't notice the uh, police officer? Either? Uh, and that was the third one. The police officer was also in The Exterminator. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, and 48 Hours. Yeah. I won't say anything else. Okay. Okay. Let's see if you okay. notice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, okay, so really quick before I get into the cast, just for those of you that are wondering, because um, the dude designs artist extraordinaire had asked if we were going to be breaking down the the original theatrical cut or the director's cut. Now, here's the deal, guys. The theatrical cut is not available on Blu-ray. The director's cut is available on Blu-ray. And I can safely say without a shadow of a doubt, the director's cut is not good. And so I do not recommend that film. We are not breaking that down. But this is a bootleg Oh, this is a bootleg. I don't know if it's a like illegal bootleg, but if you go on eBay and you type in Warriors Blu-ray, this will come up. It's like 30 bucks. It's worth every penny because this this guy who does these, he did this with the wildlife. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I, I mean, it's fine. It's on eBay, right? It's like, who cares? I, I guess maybe we won't say his name. And if you guys just find him, that's cool. Yeah, I think so. I, and, and I apologize if I'm doing Out. something I'm not supposed to do. But I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's on eBay. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, it's out there. But uh, he yeah, he released the, the original version of the wildlife on Blu-ray, which looks beautiful. Uh, and then he he took all the extras from the director's cut, which has a great documentary, great deleted scenes, great commentary, all these great things, except for the theatrical cut. And he put it with the theatrical cut. So you get 
the the version that the only version really there is a television version out there that I've been trying to hunt down forever. I have not found a DVD or you know a Blu-ray version of that. Someday I will, but it's got the deleted scenes in it as well. And so for those of us who don't know, like me, although I am aware of it, what is the difference between the director's cut versus the theatrical cut? So Walter Hill had originally envisioned the opening. He he based this off of what later got made into the 300, you know, the the, the Greek tragedy oh, yeah. story, yeah, okay. uh, right? That kind of conquest story. And so he had originally intended it to be like that. So he wanted this kind of, and he always looked at this film as a comic book film. Mm-hmm. So he has wanted a comic book intro with him narrating. And then in between scenes, um, having like comic book overlays of the characters and then kind of swiping into the next scene. It is as bad, if not worse than the Star Wars CGI. Yeah. Uh, because it looks, it's so jarring because it's like 2010 technology with 1979. Yeah. You know, it yeah. just doesn't work. The fact that this was not, that this is the only version available, Blu ray mainstream, is really disheartening because I know there's a version, I think, in Germany. But, you know, a lot of us don't have uh, all region players. Well, and it's interesting that you say that, you know, he wanted to make this look or had some kind of comic book inspiration to it because I could totally see that watching it, you know, especially yeah, a yeah. lot of the shots when um, I think his name is Masai, the the yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the Gramercy the Riffs, Riffs yeah, the new yeah. leader of the Gramercy Riffs. Um, whenever he got information, first off, you know, Walter Hill would do a wipe. I mean, ain't nobody doing wipes in, in cinema except for him and George Lucas, and they yeah. are both fans of comic books. So that makes sense. But in those shots, man, like when he'd have, he, you know, he, he instead of having someone just whisper in his heat is the the Maasai's ear like the 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 frame was cocked weird you know and yeah. it like Dutch angled and then there was like this cool spotlight in the back it was very stylized but very very, yeah. very comic book esque with like a, like the the colors are very you know bright and everything and I'm like yeah I can see it I can see why this is like a, a comic book movie and yet it's not based on a comic book no but and if you look at a lot of Walter Hill's films he has that look to him. Streets of Fire is a comic book rock and roll musical, is what it is. Uh, and, and Last Man Standing is Last it felt, Standing. always felt very comic booky to me. Totally, totally. Um, you can say that maybe uh, even about Extreme Prejudice, uh, which is one of my favorite Walter Johnny Handsome too. Uh, but but and, and the Wipes, he's a big fan of the Wipes because he used the he used he uses those yeah. He uses those in Streets of Fire okay. magically. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let, let Okay, so let's get into Walter Hill first. Yeah, especially Next. he has a connection to my favorite movie of all time. So it's kind of kinda, it's kinda nice that, that both of our favorite movies have a have a connection to each other. And They've got quite a few, yeah. Yeah, but uh, here he, I, and I didn't even know it until we started diving into this movie, but he worked on the story for Aliens and... 
when I was reading the trivia for this and and uh, in IMDb, it said you know Walter Hill sort of known like his, his the trope that he likes to do story wise is have the head of a group get like you know taken away like here Cleon uh, immediately pretty much right away gets removed yep. and I was like oh yeah think about it uh, Apone and Gorman both get removed in Aliens uh, very early on and then so you're left with no basically no command structure and that seems to be what like, like Walter Hill loves that kind of shit yeah it, it's like the, the who's gonna step up right who's gonna step up and take the reins and become the leader of the group who's yeah. got who's got and, and i love that i love that idea like just because the leader is the leader doesn't mean he's going to be the leader forever or she um yeah walter hill is phenomenal next to john carpenter he's my favorite director of all time uh because he's done streets of fire which i mentioned johnny handsome Southern Comfort, which is a great kind of deliverance military version. Uh, Johnny Handsome, by the way, is phenomenal with Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Last Man Standing. Uh, the, the Driver, which is the original Driver with Ryan O'Neill, which obviously Ryan Gosling did a it's, – it's a loose remake of that movie. Um, you know, the list goes on with his filmography. It's so Crossroads, which is a cool blues movie with Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio is obviously hot right now. Yeah, and Mill yeah. Creek knows that because Mill Creek just released a Blu-ray with a cool VHS slipcover of Crossroads. Oh, nice. Just got for like eight bucks. <laughs> hey, um, we always we always support the Mill Creek. First off, they have the best covers in the biz and the best price point in the biz. <laughs> Yeah, for for a bare bones disc, I mean, shit, yeah. man. Like, at least it looks great on a wall. Yeah, uh, I just looks got great. that Blind Fury and Like Father, Like Son. Nice. Uh, fuck and, you, and Kirk by, Cameron, but whatever. And by the way, I do want to say, uh, Last Man Standing is a movie that I want to bring to the table. I wouldn't say there's much urgency to it, mainly because you can only get it on a two pack with with uh, Last Boy Scout. Which, hey, I'm not complaining. I love the Last Boy Scout. But whenever we do something for this show, I always want it to be. The best version of the the movie that we can you know get our hands on. So it's like, just so you guys know, it's like I'm kind of like waiting on that one. I'm kind of like waiting on Hard Target just for a good version to sort of come out. But Last Man Standing, if a good version ever does come out, we will be reviewing on the show. Yeah, we we will, and I I have I have a feeling it will come out down the road. Uh, Walter Hill is a he, he's he's a legend, and and he's obviously a fan of filmmaking and. All his films are unique yeah. in, ev- in every sense. They're un- uh, Extreme Prejudice, if you've never seen that, that's a badass movie with Nick Nolte and Powers Booth. Um, and it's just the list goes on. He makes testosterone-filled flicks. They're just kick-ass. And, and they're, so, but they're in different. Sometimes they're like in a lot of different genres. But what what kind of maintains the cohesion of it is the Walter Hillness of it, which is the the testosterone badassery of it. But like his, it's interesting. Yeah, his his stuff ranges from like all you know, bu- buddy cop dramas to forty eight hours. To, yeah, forty eight hours to you know, to pseudo comedies. I mean, shit, he did Brewster's Millions. Brewster's like, Millions. Yeah, it feels yeah. like looking at his filmography, he really seems to every every project is uniquely different in unto itself but yet maintains that walter hill just x factor it's pretty remarkable i would say as far as mainstream directors go he's he's probably tops as far as originality is is concerned don coscarelli probably comes a he's not mainstream i think he's more independent 
um, I'd say it's like a Don Coscarelli, you know, yeah. where Don Coscarelli is like doing horror, action, comedy, bingo, bango. Yeah. But yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head. Like his shit runs the gamut. And uh, we could do a whole episode watch list of our top five favorite Walter Hill movies, <laughs> yeah. which we probably will we'll do. Probably with, maybe do we'll that. do with David Irons. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool, man. I'd be down for that. <laughs> I know, David, you're listening going, oh, yeah, my, I'd love to do that. Wait, wait why did I just give him Australian <laughs> accent? Like, what is happening? By the way, spoiler alert. Uh, and, and, and Terry knows this for sure. I will be doing a shit ton of terrible impressions this evening uh, <laughs> sure. for all you bad impressions. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Walter Hill directed and helped write this, write the story. He wrote this, uh, he wrote the screenplay with David Shaber. It's based on a soul Yurik novel. Uh, it's a good read. If you're interested, if you're a big warriors fan and you don't have it, I think you can buy it on Amazon, believe it or not. Uh, but shit, besides that, cinematography because this is important because i think the cinematographer is phenomenal andrew laszlo andrew laszlo was a cinematographer rambo first blood nice inner space one of my my favorite <laughs> joe dante movie of all time i love that movie <laughs> and star trek 4 which i think or no sorry star trek 5 which i think is a really good star trek film mm. uh but he's done a shit to, he's he's a legend andrew laszlo and this, this movie is, looks fucking amazing and that's amazing. because it's all shot on location in 1979 you know probably 1978 new york and oh god what a what an absolutely just just a snapshot just a just a wonderful timepiece to be able to see new york at this time and everything but the fact that they and- shot there is unbelievable and some of the shots like like the crowd shot at the beginning you know where where they go and meet up and all the gangs and everything it's just truly remarkable that they pulled off that shot like no cgi or nothing those are people those are real fucking people there some of them yeah. are actually gang members so yeah yeah well it's it's very it's very like guerrilla filmmaking in some, it is. in some ways. I think it was also shot in um, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, certain scenes. So uh, a- a- at night, I think that's when, when it was raining. I think that was shot in St. Louis. I'm oh, pretty okay. sure. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, producing-wise, Joel Silver was an exec- executive producer on this yeah. movie, one of his first movies he ever did. Frank Marshall, um, who you know has produced everything from Signs to Indiana Jones, yeah. uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's kind of a legend producer. Lawrence Gordon, another legend producer. Predator, Lockup, Watchmen, Die Hard. I mean, we're talking about fucking icons of cinema yeah. here. And, yep. and for this, for the Warriors, is a 1979. It it deserves the attention it gets. Um, but let's just jump into the cast. Okay, so starting out, playing Swan is Michael Beck. Corey obviously knows Michael Beck mostly from Xanadu. Of course, that's exactly where I know him from. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, and Megaforce and yes, Megaforce. Of course, as well. yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Megaforce has the dubious distinction of being the first unaired uh, episode of the the dude. unaired show that Zach and I tried doing like forty years prior to this. <laughs> Bro, you just read my mind because I was like, we got to bring up the fact that we never did Megaforce and. Um, Man, yeah, that, that's going to surface one of these days. I, I think it has to. We, we have when to we revisit that. Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he plays Swan. I mean, Michael Beck's been in a lot of stuff. And he, I will say on a personal note, being able to meet him, super nice guy. He was in this cool movie. I'm, I'm blanking on the title right now, but you can obviously look it up on uh, on his filmography. 
it was kind of a retelling of the most dangerous game, which okay. is my favorite um, kind of plot. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, just the idea of like being hunted. I love that shit. Hard target, you know, uh, surviving the game kind of thing. But he was in a movie of like, I think it was like a made for TV movie like that. Anyways, um, James Remar plays Ajax. Heard of him, right? Yep. He's, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, James Remar, another awesome dude, uh, meeting him in person. And like I said, he uttered his famous line in this movie. What's the matter? You go in something. I'll get to that later. I'll do it in the context of the movie so I don't get like, you know, blasted on social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, James Remar is a legend. Don't give me that shit that he's Dexter's father and that's the only thing you know him from or Sex in the City. Oh, my God. He was so great in Sex in the City. Was he he in Sex in the City? Yeah. Don't don't give me that shit. He was in 48 (laughs) Hours, for God's sakes. He was like the, 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 he's so good at playing a villain. But then he was in a, he was in a really cool it's i mean some people were like it's not that great uh i tend to like it because it's got a really cool motorcycle chase scene in the subway mm. again um it's called quiet cool quiet, quiet cool, cool is okay. a it, it's cool it's 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 cool hey it's definitely worth checking out and band of the hand which is a michael mann produced film I've, definitely worth checking out i've heard you talk about band of the hand before yeah. that may come up in our in our on our show down the road. Um, Can I just want to say real quick, first off, yeah. I mean, both James Remar and, and Michael Beck, but more so Michael Beck, man, anytime he's on the screen, I am captivated by him. Yeah. It's he's just, been in everything. He's his face, though, but he just has a great intensity about him when he just stands there like staring and his his features are just so interesting looking i just i get it like when you say someone has like an x factor or something i look at michael beck and i'm like he's got it i understand that yeah and in yet another reason to to hate covid on many levels uh but on a personal selfish note when i reach out to produce um guests for the show he very much wants to do the show but he doesn't like doing um Interviews that are not in person. Okay. So when we are back in person someday, uh, we will have him on the show. Is, That's going to happen. Is he L.A. based? He's still in He's L.A.? He's an L.A. guy. Okay, yep. cool. Oh, yeah, because cool. I met him in Santa Monica. And actually, we were, rep- we were represented by uh, the same agency for many years, voiceover. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, very cool guy. Dorsey Wright plays Cleon, um, the leader of the Warriors. And he was in Hair, for those musical people out there. And Hair is actually a, an a not actually. It's a classic musical. It's great. Dude, I loved Cleon for so all f- he's great five minutes he's in this, but he's awesome. He's he's like so perfectly cast <clears throat> because he feels you feel like he's got the strength, but also the compassion to be a leader, you know? I yeah. I really thought he was cool and I wish I saw more of, of him in the movie. You should you should watch the movie Hair. I think you really like it. Um it's 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 a powerful musical, man. And I remember watching that movie, like really like not wanting. Cause I was not, I'm like, I was one of those guys who's like, Oh, I don't watch musicals. They're stupid. Yeah. And I watch it and I was like, Holy shit, this is powerful. No, treat I know. Williams I understand it too. So <laughs> treat. Yeah. Good old treat. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Treat? <laughs> and Beverly uh, D'Angelo, but, Beverly uh, D'Angelo, but yeah, yeah, man, Cleon was a character that I actually wish I had seen more of in the movie. I know it's, it's, it's bummer how he got taken out. Uh, but we don't know that he's dead. We just know he got his ass. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't assume that he was dead. But there's you only know. one we know who 
dies. Yeah, ex- exactly. But uh, but yeah, knowing Walter Hill's style, uh, and 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 that Cleon is the apone and uh, Gorman of the of the movie. Of course, he has to get taken out. Of course, <laughs> um, I'm just going to mention him now because he's not in the credits. But Thomas G. Waits plays Fox, who's really like once Cleon gets taken out, he's the second in command. Um, he's the in many ways the heartbeat of the movie, like the 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 um, the, the 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 cooler, the guy who keeps everything chill. Yeah, uh, amongst gangs, he's he's and, the he's like the diplomat. The diplomat. Thank you. He's the diplomat of the warriors, and so. I didn't honestly know this until not that long ago, but he was fired from the set for amongst many things. And he revealed this on the podcast. So I'm not going to go too deep into it because he talks more about it on our interview, which will be airing later this month. Um, He had some issues with drinking and he also, uh, you know, didn't start off on the right foot with the director. And he asked for his name to be removed after he was fired uh, and subsequently had his character's outcome altered because he was fired. So, and and we'll talk about that scene when, when it comes. Yeah. So that, so I'll just nip it at that. If you don't know who Thomas G Waits is, he was windows in the thing. (laughs) And if you don't know who windows is, fuck you Palmer. (laughs) There you go. That's all I got to say about that. And judging uh, by the fact that it is our number one, most downloaded episode, I assume everyone listening to the warriors has listened to our, the thing episode and knows who windows is. And also knows our love for windows. And all, and for all you new listeners, fuck you Palmer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Brian Tyler plays snow. And he hasn't really been in a whole lot, but man, what a presence on screen! Like a cool man. Walter Hill is so good at casting. I know, so good at casting. I was gonna say it's it's amazing. There's there's very few characters or actors, I should say, in this movie that I I'm like every time I look at, it, I'm like, this is amazing. I want to see more of you. The casting in this is fantastic. Brian Taylor, another another actor in this movie as Snow, another character I wanted to see more of, just like Cleon. And I was like, damn, it's yeah. The the casting directors in this movie, working for this movie, did a fantastic, fantastic. job. Fantastic. I totally agree. And they have their hands full because this movie has a million people in it. It really um, does. It does. But we're just talking about the Warriors and a few notable rogues. But, yeah. Uh, David Harris plays Cochise mm-hmm. and another badass guy. If you don't know who David Harris is, he was in Fletch. Uh, he's a homeless guy in Fletch and has a great memorable character in that. Yeah. And he was in Brubaker, which is a I love that movie. It's a great prison film. Uh, with Robert Redford, based on a true story. Definitely worth checking out. One of Morgan Freeman's first movies, by the way. And Yafet Koto is in oh, it. Wow. And I'm a big Yafet Koto fan. Nice. Don't give me no fucking Running Man shit. Brubaker is the, sh- is the shit, for oh. sure. Well, of course. Uh, uh, Alien, of course. Well, of co- I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> so, and then there, and he was also in Fatal Beauty, mm. which was directed by Tom Holland. Uh, Fatal Beauty is badass. It's got Sam Elliott and Whoopi Goldberg and Ruben Blades in it. Oh my god! I think I I I, I can actually I remember. Yep, now nah, I remember that movie now. Yeah, Corey, Corey Corey at this point is probably going. This is Zach's in his fucking wheelhouse because like I'm just rattling it off. I don't need IMDb for this shit at all. Yeah, I know. Um, Tom McKittrick plays cowboy. He's only in cow only in this. Yeah, that's and it. goddamn man. You know, maybe he took a, 
a few too many punches to the gut with a baseball bat, and he decided to hang up his acting career. But he's good. He's good. Yep. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with him. Tom McKittrick plays Cowboy. Uh, okay, so a little bit of, well, not a little bit, a major bummer. Uh, playing Rembrandt is Marcelino Sanchez, and he unfortunately died of AIDS mm. um, in like in his 20s, I think. He died in 86. He was born in 57. Do the math. Oh, yeah, he's 28 when he died. Which is a shame because he's so fucking good in this movie. Oh, man. So, yeah, on the documentary that's on this Blu-ray DVD edition, um, Deborah Van Valkenburg, who plays Mercy, and we obviously know her from Too Close for Comfort. (laughs) That's her biggest. And Streets of Fire, uh, amongst other things. I'm not going to lie. I was a big Too Close for Comfort fan growing up as a kid. I loved Monroe and everything and the the cow puppet on his hand, you know. But, um, yeah, it's hard for me to disassociate, you know, Too Close for Comfort from this when I see her in this, you know. But at at first, I'm like, eh, she's from Too Close for Comfort. But it quickly goes away. But that is the the first thing I always think of with her. First of all, this is like her first movie she ever did. Okay. And she did a movie after this called King of the Mountain with uh, Harry Hamlin, which is like a racing movie set in the Hollywood Hill. No, set in the Mulholland Hills, Hollywood Hills area. Really cool flick. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I think Ronin Films put it out or Vinegar Syndrome. One of those kind of boutique Blu-ray companies. Seek that shit out. It's good. But um, but Deborah gave a really heartfelt um, kind of tribute to Marcelino, Marcelino or Marcelino uh, on the Blu-ray documentary. Really sweet. Like the guy, I knew him from 321 Contact, the Bloodhound Gang, which was a PBS educational show oh, for kids. yeah. I used to watch that. That's why he's familiar to me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm literally getting hit with the memories right now as we're talking. <laughs> yep. I can see him. I can see him in there. The reason why this episode will be four hours long is because we will be reminiscing just on the intro of the actors <laughs> for this movie. Um, but yeah, he really fucking talented guy. So talented. Another heartfelt performance. Uh, so good as Rembrandt, the tagger of the group. And then Terry, Terry, Me- Terry Mikos, I think is I how think you it's say Mikos, his name. Yeah. He's actually been in a few different things, but I, a couple things. One, I think he looks like a, slightly heavier set Richie Sambora from Bon Jovi. Okay. I also think he's the long lost um, DeLuise brother <laughs> or uncle. Uh, he could definitely pass for a Pete DeLuise from 21 Jump Street. He plays Vermin and he's got the big one. And not going to lie, low key, my favorite warrior. Word. Yeah, I don't know. I, I liked his, that. I liked his energy. I thought he was fun. All all the stuff he does in the movie, and which makes sense because reading uh, the trivia, um, apparently his character was supposed to be killed off during the fight with the Lizzies, but because he turned like he made that character so memorable and kind of like full of sort of like, sarcasm and sort of jokey that I think Walter Hill just kind of kept it because he's like, yeah, screw it, I like this guy. So I I, I liked Vermin. I thought he was a really really fun character. That's badass because knowing that bit of trivia, he utters a line soon after they escape the Lizzie's. He's like, we're going to make it back. We fought all this way. We're going to make it back. And it's, he's probably like, I fought for my part. Yeah. And I, we're gonna, I'm going to make it through this movie. I'm going to make it to the end. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. I love that. He was great. Um, he was absolutely fantastic. So great. Okay. So I mentioned Deborah Van Valkenburg already as Mercy. Roger Hill plays Cyrus. Roger Hill was a librarian. 
Jesus Christ. Um, can, can you dig it? So, you know, obviously I didn't open up with that because that's so cliche. At I, this know, point, you know, I know. I'm not going to do that. And I've been I've been walking around the house doing it, too. But I'm like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do that. That's not what the, it's too easy for us. We'll, we'll come up easy. with something else during the course of the next three-hour conversation that we have. The two lines when you say to, 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 to the people that, have know this movie yeah. are always can you dig it or warriors, warriors come out to play yep and you can test somebody when they say warriors come out and play or they come out to play and i just said two so you know yep i'm just saying like you got to make sure you get the, you get it down correctly yeah and second of all that's like people saying oh i saw star wars use the force force be with you <laughs> like, yeah but what else do you know about it you know and i'm not one of those guys that hates on somebody that doesn't know enough about something no, you're but definitely don't come not at me like you're the ultimate warriors fan uh speaking of which slight derail terry and i went to this bar in oakland which uh pays tribute to the warriors their logo has those sweet warrior wings that are on the back of the jacket with like a uh, VW bus in the center. Um, I don't know the significance of the bus, but mm-hmm. it, just the fact that they use the font and everything, it's its really badass. It's a, it's a bar in Oakland. Um, Hopefully they're I, still around. I hope so too. But okay, really quick. Lynn Thigpen plays the DJ. Um, all right, boppers. That's how I opened it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Lynn Thigpen is, go back and watch Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> because she's from that. Amongst many things. Yeah. Um, and, okay, Mercedes Ruel plays a policewoman in the in the park. Mercedes <laughs> Ruel is a... I love how you call her Ruel. It's it's Mercedes Rule. Oh, Rule. Yeah. Sorry. Rule. Rule. But rules. Rules. I was... I And the thing is, like, it, she... That's one of those names where I, I knew her. So I looked it up while I, was, while I was watching the movie. I was like, huh, why does she kind of look familiar? And I was like, oh, shit, it's Mercedes Rule. And then I started looking through her IMDb, and I was like, huh, I know her name because I used to hear it when I was younger, you know? But I was like, but I really actually don't know a lot of her, her filmography. But for well, some reason, I don't know why, but the name Mercedes Rule kept coming across my my radar a lot when I was younger to the point where I immediately you know was like okay that's who that is I don't know she she reminded me a little bit of um uh Lorraine Bracco from Goodfellas you know yeah like that Italian yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of tough Italian chick yeah um you know she was she was Mrs. Baskin and Big she was Tom Hanks's mom I guess essentially, um, you know that that's where I think a lot of people will recognize her from. She's great. Like she's she's been on Broadway. She's she's a, she's a very accomplished actress. She's been in a shit ton of stuff. Oh yeah, she's married got a to huge... the mob, Secret of My Success, Fisher yeah. King. She's great. But yeah, and then one more to mention for now, playing Luther, the leader of the Rogues, probably the biggest sniveling piece of shit on the planet <laughs> the guy you love to hate you love to hate him from 48 hours you love to hate him from commando you love to hate him from the crow uh you love to hate him in last man standing and you love to hate him in dreamscape you le- of course how could i not mention that and thank you for doing that playing luther is our boy dpk david patrick kelly 
Yep. It wasn't us. It was them. Warriors. <laughs> they shot Cyrus. <laughs> so we're going to get to those. I cannot wait to of dig course. into that. Of course. Can but... can I just throw out the the hidden characters? It's funny because yes. this this movie Please. feels like a video game. And when I found when I was <laughs> yes. looking through the IMDb, I found these 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 actors and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like these are like hidden characters in in the in the game essentially." <laughs> totally, um, dude. So, first off, we have Steve James as mm-hmm. One of the baseball furies, and yes. we all know him from uh, freaking uh, uh, you know American Ninja, uh, you know all kinds Delta of shit. Force. Yep, exactly. And I was like, holy shit! I don't know which one he was though, uh, like which makeup he was in there. I don't think he was. He wasn't one of the three featured, or three or four featured in, in that. Okay, main he was probably like a background kind of one or something. Yeah. Okay, um, and then. Craig R. Baxley, which is the director of I Come in Peace, uh, plays a random punk. I don't know where he is. I assume maybe someplace in the Enclave at the beginning, maybe? Um, Don't know. Possibly. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, like, you kind of blink and you miss him, I think. I I wouldn't have recognized him right away. (laughs) But how funny is that? The director of the movie that we just reviewed prior to Dude, this it's kismet man it's i was kismet. i was not expecting to find him on imdb when i was uh, uh going through this and then finally uh the cop that we mentioned uh later that kind of busts ajak is erwin keys yes. uh, which you recognize a lot of people would probably recognize his house of a thousand corpses and stuff more more you know uh more modernish, but uh, he he passed away in 2015. But he was also in the Exterminator that we re- uh, reviewed earlier. And Steve in the- James was in, was in the Exterminator yep. also. Yes, he was exactly. So. And I, I and I have a I have a fun Erwin um, Keys story to share. Back in the day when you could go to Fangoria conventions and get autographs, Erwin Keys was so proud of his role in the Warriors when you would go to his booth. And he'd sign autographs prominently. One of his biggest photos before he was in House of a Thousand Corpses was the shot of him in the Warriors with Ajax. Wow. And he was and I remember talking to him. I didn't get his autograph because I was like, yeah, whatever. It wasn't when I was into that. But I did want to talk to him. And he was so like happy for his just short moment in that film. He's like, I know it wasn't a big role, but it was a prominent role. It was an important role. I'm the guy that took down Ajax. (laughs) And he's this big hunk of a guy, you know, like Hulk of a guy, not a hunk. Uh, Because if you see him and you're like, ooh. But um, yeah, just like such a sweet guy. And it's so cool to meet actors that are so proud of the work they do. Whether it's a movie like The Warriors or whether it's Schindler's List, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter. The fact that you made it and got to be on screen, you know, being an actor and, and struggling at that, like, you got to applaud people for doing this. Yeah. Even if it's a piece of shit movie like Cyborg, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like, come on. Let's be honest. Like, any... Anybody why that gets this, this, why did you throw cyborg under the bus? <laughs> because any opportunity I can get to <laughs> yeah, throw it under the yeah. bus. And look, folks, again, if you think it's great, it's not. Go <laughs> just, back and watch just it. Our view of it. Just it's terrible. Our view. But, uh, but um, yeah, go ahead. I, I do. Before we we jump into the movie, I do want to address the nightmare shooting schedule that, or like, just the the filming of this 
was apparently super, super tough because they shot uh, most of it, at least from what I can tell, most of it was shot in New York. Um, they they shot at night, which, of course, we already know is, is rough when you have all of your shoots at night because then all your actors and your crew are just messed up on their sleeping schedules and everything. But they had to, because they were shooting at night, they had to have, like, an actual gang's protection, you know, uh, guarding the vehicles and stuff. Um, they had to, they basically had... Uh, someone like a gang member through the the police department that they talked to and was like okay you can't film on this block because this gang isn't cool but if you go two blocks over they're really they're actually really nice you can kind of grease their wheels you can go shoot on their block but like they had to have a navigator a, a, a gang navigator get them through all of this and man i uh, uh mercy uh, uh deborah van how do you pronounce her last name uh, Deborah Van Vankelberg. Deborah Van Vankelberg. Vankelberg. She, yep. she got the worst of it apparently in this making this movie. She broke her wrist uh, during the fox death scene, and yep. she got freaking hit in the face with a baseball bat during that scene where Swan uh, throws the baseball at that cop's uh, shins, which also yep. looks painful. But she got freaking hit in the face with it. She still has a scar from that. So, but wow. it's it's nice that she's still uh, very pro warriors. But it it does seem that this movie was very gorilla films like guerrilla filmmaking style you know and shooting at night you know they had permits and stuff but man they they got peed on uh one night by by uh, a bunch of gang members that were in like basically kind of how the orphans were where they were on top of the the roofs and everyone got peed on so it's just i believe it it sounded like this was a very hard movie to make it's it's remarkable that we even have it well two things one I agree with you wholeheartedly uh, to, yeah, th this was not filmed. There, there, nothing was filmed in St. Louis for some reason. I got it confused with another movie. So yeah, you know. your brain has so much freaking knowledge in it, buddy. I do not. Th the way that you can just all of a sudden recall names and movies. I don't think anyone is going to begrudge you on messing up that small <laughs> fact of what? your favorite movie of all time. You stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will get to these specific shooting locations because I wrote them down. But, um, but yeah, you mentioned that uh, Swan got hit in the leg. Swan takes out that cop with the with the baseball bat. We'll get to that cop later because you mentioned you didn't mention one person that um, is worth noting. Oh, <clears throat> all right, cool. And when you when you when I do reveal it, you can be like, "Holy shit!" Oh, uh, probably because it. because I can't in my head picture anything. So, all right. <laughs> so. An hour into the start of our breakdown of the Warriors, let's break this shit down. Can you dig it? These are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Furies. The Boppers. The Hi-Hats. The Lizzies. The Turnbull ACs. The Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! Yeah! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety, 
stand 20,000 cops and 100,000 sworn enemies. I want them all. I want all the warriors. They've got one way out. They've got one chance. They've got one night. The Warriors. It's worth noting, while I'm doing a terrible version of the opening to the Warriors movie uh, music, I'm just going to mention who did the music, uh, because the soundtrack is phenomenal, and it is one of my favorite movie soundtracks of all time, uh, sans a few songs specifically, but Barry Dvorzon did the music for this movie. Uh, Barry Dvorzon is a phenomenal composer and dare I say, one of the godfathers of synth and guitar mixed together. If the Midnight doesn't know about the Warriors, well, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I mean, come on. Like, the, 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 the driving guitar in this is fucking off the chain. So my very first note is I love the opening song. And, yes. that, and that's going to be kind of like the, the main chase driving song that they use. I think that there's even a name to it. It's, um, well, there's the Baseball Furies Chase. Um, it's a little bit different. It's a okay, little bit different. Okay. Well, this they one, are two separate tracks. I do love this one, and I love everything about this opening, uh, like, 10-minute uh, credit thing that, that they do. Uh, Beautiful. It's, it's kind of like Prince of Darkness, where it's a very, yep. it's, it's an extended credit sequence over some interesting editing and, and, and like, flashbacks and stuff and flash-forwards. It's, it's really cool, um, yep. but it's not as long as Prince of Darkness is. No, it's not. And um, first of all, this song, the music on this is on my workout mix. If you want a driving yeah. workout song, you put this opening yeah. track on there. It's It gets you going, especially when you're doing cardio or anything, you know. Oh, I can totally um, see that. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, it opens with the shot of uh, Coney Island and the, the Wonder Wheel at night. Beautiful neon. I mean, that's another thing. Walter Hill loves his neon. Oh, God, it's so good. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it opens with that. Flashes the Warriors font in graffiti writing that is so famous, iconic now. Yeah, the way it's that that font, that style. Everyone's like, I want the Warriors font for my logo. Yeah, that um, that title so card badass. is is iconic at this point, <laughs> and, and so much better than Split Second <laughs> and Cyborg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from there, you 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 you. From there, Cleon walks in. And just like lazily, you get the sense that he's talking to the whole gang and he's like, it's still on and we're going. Cyrus sent an emissary afternoon to make sure. And he's like, look, Cyrus don't want anybody packed. He don't want anybody flexing any muscles. So I gave him my word that the warriors would uphold the truce. Now everybody says that Cyrus is the one and only. I think we better go have a look for ourselves. And then that starts right into the music. Oh, opening. Man. So the Warriors strong. get on the subway. So it's got a little hint of 70s horror in the like creepy factor. But then it 
starts hitting you with this rock and roll guitar. Uh, it's so badass. And so you're right. You 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 said it so eloquently earlier. It, it's uh, cuts between going on the subway to back and forth scenes with the different warriors. And it's um, it's cool because it, it's flashbacks to each individual one kind of like uh, it, it's a part of that conversation uh, uh, that they were having. But it's cool yeah. because you don't just see that conversation in its entirety. Then they're on the train. It's like, no, they're on the train. Then you'll see like like um, you'll see Ajax doing something and then they'll cut to uh, like flashback to his little conversation. Yes. It's really it's it's an editing dream it's beautifully it's it's wonderful i love this opening oh. shot credit section ditto ditto and ditto yeah we swan's like saying look we've never been to the bronx before that's where the where that's where the big gang kind of, it's actually uh takes place at uh, riverside park in manhattan <clears throat> they have to go through the bronx yeah they but they got to go through the bronx and cleon's like no sweat you know every every gang in new york city is going to be there and then <laughs> except for the to- orphans <laughs> Right. Yeah. How come the, or David Schwimmer? Uh, <laughs> and then it cuts to Cochise and Cochise. It's like, we're going in there with nothing. And Snowball's like, you know, we're going in there like everybody else. Nine guys, no weapons. Oh, it's no, it's not Snowball. Sorry. Sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Originally, his character's name was Snowball. OK. OK. Well, you know, we all know what that means. Thanks to Clerks. <laughs> so <laughs> go go. If, and if you don't you go back and rewatch Clerks. Yeah. Yeah. Go listen. Give that a give that a listen. Yeah. Snow <laughs> Snowball. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and then Cleon says to Rembrandt. You got the stuff. I want you to hit every thing in sight. I want everybody to know that the Warriors were there because he cut the Rembrandt. Rembrandt's holding up his spray can bottle. I like um, that. I like that. He's like, I want everybody to know the Warriors were there. Yeah, he's like, look, motherfucker. Because he also knows that this is like history. Like, I feel like at this point, Cleon, Cleon understands how big this is. He does. Uh, this is this is their million man march. It is. You know? Yeah. For, for gangs, for gangs, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. They're cutting in between the warriors on the train, and then they cut to Cowboy. And Cowboy's like, you never know what you got to run into out there. We're wearing our colors. We can't hide. And Vermin's like, who wants to hide? Yeah. Richie Sambora-looking motherfucker, Dom <laughs> DeLuise, uh, Peter DeLuise. And then you cut to Ajax. Yeah, he's like punching the um the, that, the, the handles on the subway. Yeah, the hanging and he's handles. doing like a rope a dope. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's he's cool. so badass. I like, yeah, I now, like it. Ajax is definitely like one of the most popular characters of the movie, and Ajax, you know, big, big old sly smile on his face. He's like, maybe we'll get to f- bust a few heads along the way, and Cleon's like, you just soldier and keep your mouth shut. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I fucking know. love that. <laughs> and he's got this like wah kind of look on his face. Well, and and also there and I don't know if you'll mention it, but there is a moment where he also mentions Ajax mentions uh getting some tail too while oh, he's I'm out getting there. there. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Some strange wool. Yeah. <laughs> which is then, which is of course foreshadowing to what happens to him later. No doubt. Yep. Um and then from there you got Swan saying to Rembrandt, you know, when we get there, you stick close by us. Because you get the sense that Rembrandt's like the youngest in the group, the weakest in the group. Uh, Rembrandt's like, don't worry. I don't feel like getting wrecked. I love the – okay, so I just have to start out by the from the top saying that I love every piece of dialogue in this film. I know um, some people have said, oh, it's dated or it's cheesy. This is like – it's written in such an interesting way, and there are some terms in this 
in this review that I'm going to say, I'm going to quote the characters and I just want to warn you that they're definitely not P by they're not they're definitely not PC by today's standards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or any 1979. Standards for that yeah. 1979. They were gang. I'm just going to quote them directly. This film, the script is so fucking good and I just love everything about it. And, so, and it's so interestingly shot too. like some of these yeah. like because there's not like a lot of camera movement and, and it's a very tight shot of the two faces like not a lot of movement and like one person will be like looking one way. There's a lot of shots that almost feel experimental like indie experimental film but they work probably because of the the comic book vibe that this has oh yeah this definitely feels like they're experimenting with with shit that's never been done before it it, again it's walter hill feels totally original in his style yeah you cut back to ajax and that's when he says you know one thing we might get out of cyrus's little get-together means some strange wool I wouldn't mind laying a little something down on the way back. <laughs> See? And Vermin's like, you got a one-track brain, you know that? And that's when Ajax says, what's the matter? You going faggot? <laughs> and that's Ajax's fucking thing, man. That's Ajax. And all I know is when Terry and I met him at the Arrow, and I said, Mr. Remar, you have to know that this movie changed our lives. It's what brought us together. We are friends for life. And this movie is, plays a big part in this. And he said that line to us right before we took the photo. You can go on my Instagram or Facebook. And the two of us are smiling. And he's got a big grin on his face because he just knows how funny that sounded. Dude, it was it was great. Dude, was that, that makes me like James Remar even more. Oh, he's he's a fucking champ. We we got to get him on the show. Um, and and then now from from this point on, I love this little exchange because Cowboy's like, "What do you know about Cyrus?" And Coach he says, "Magic. He's a whole lot of magic." Yeah, that's cool, dude. Yeah. And then Coach he says, "What do you know about Cyrus?" To Rembrandt, and Rembrandt says, "He's the one and only." And then back to Coach's. When you're president of the biggest gang in the city, the Riffs, you don't have to take any shit. And then Ajax just goes, ah, fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you something. I bet no one's even going to be there. And then from there, the credits end. You open up this big rise in the music and you cut to the park. And it is full of thousands of gang members. And then interspersed doing this credit, you you get a, you get a look of different gangs. You get, there's like a mime gang. There's a, like a, like a tong gang. There's all these different, like kind of wearing costumes. Um, the costume coordinator for this film was working overtime because she, she or he had to come up with like, you know, different looks for everybody. Everybody, meaningless gangs like the fucking mimes. Yeah, you know, with top hats. It's like you got to come up with a look for mimes. And you know that one group that had like the high pants and then the tank, the black tank tops. Yeah, they just had so many. Like the lead singer of Thin Lizzy. Yeah, Yeah. it's so weird. But like (laughs) at the same, it's it's very. You know, I kind of put this movie under like the urban fairy tale. Uh, we and it's it's not like Chud stuff like that. Like were these fantastic movies and not even the same genre chud in, in the warriors or the same quality but i am fascinated by these movies where fantastic things take place in cities because you think like how could something crazy fantastic like chud take place in the city? because like people would talk about it right but here this feels like a comic book all these gangs it's like i can see it i see the comic book influence but it's it's cool it feels like a it's an urban fairy tale 
Well, I'm glad you said that because Walter Hill has gone on record to say that this is a comic book movie. And when you say comic book movie, when you say something is comic book-esque, and you can speak definitely more to this than I can because you're more of a pro on it than I am, you can get away with a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah. It, It is a fantasy it is not reality. Um, you know, when people go, oh, it's a cheesy gang movie. No, it's it's a fantasy gang movie. Yeah. This could this would never happen. So let's just let let all that go. Let I feel like I'm Professor Birak from Prince of Darkness. Let reality go <laughs> and let's talk about, you know, fantasy and myth like the Bible. And I don't think that Walter Hill was even trying to make this like serious. Like right out of the gate, I think he's telling you that this is a fantasy. This is a comic book. This yeah, is dude. this is larger fun. than life. And have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, have fun with it. Just go along for the ride. And and we do. And you know, speaking of this enclave shot, you know, uh, it's unbelievable the amount of people that they have for some of these shots and also knowing that some of them are actual gang members that they kind of like you know to kind of use their turf i think uh to shoot on they had to be like okay but we'll feature you in the movie and they got people together and so there's actors in there there's gangs in there and which is ironic that you actually have gangs not starting violence like actually like just like being extras and doing stuff it's 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 interesting this thing is wow like you couldn't you could not make this movie today at all but uh, you could but you would do you would use different means and it would be so so different this has such a lifeblood flowing through it and this scene right here is the heart of it this is the heart of the movie no, no doubt, no doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna list some of the gangs for you throughout this movie. But just to kind of start you off, there's a site. It's called the Warriors. The Warriors Movie.co.uk. It's probably the most expansive, detailed tribute site that there was or ever will be. I think the guy Thomas. Waits mentioned that a guy's writing a book on the Warriors. I think it's the guy that runs this website. Okay. Um, for, first of all, there's a gang called the Electric Eliminators, and the leader of the Electric Eliminators was in um, Stripes. So, oh, nice. uh, just fun fact. <laughs> but you got gangs like the Turnbull ACs, yeah, the Orphans, yeah, the the Baseball Furies, obviously, the Lizzies, uh, the Punks, the Rogues. Those are the top ones, right? The Gramercy Riffs. But then you get into the Boppers, the Boyle Avenue Runners, the Electric Eliminators. Listen to these names. They're so great. The Gladiators, the Hi-Hats. Those are the Mimes. The Hurricanes. Those are the Cuban guys. The Jones Street Boys, the Moon Runners, the Panzers, the Sar- the Sarensons, the S- Satan's Mothers, Savage Huns, and, and so Van Cortland to, Rangers. They had to come like they had to come up with these names, and I, I'm sure like some of them so are in badass. the book, right? Like I'm, I'm sure that in the book they they probably list a lot of these names. So that was the the author's job, but they still had to like yeah come up with probably a lot more names and, and probably know who they were when they're like shooting it. It's it's unbelievable the scale of this and. I do have to say, I mean, we haven't gotten into what's going on, but it's. I also love how this movie starts huge. The concept huge. is massive. The concept yeah. of this movie, like like what Cyrus puts forth, is like world changing in theory. You know, if it if it could have been executed, so it starts with this massive high concept, this this huge concept of all these gangs uh, meeting together, and then it goes hyper focused into the 
warriors. And I, I love that. It's, it's a lot of times you see things that are focused kind of branching outwards and then you see the bigger picture afterwards. This goes the exact opposite. It does. It does. And, and so you have to picture nine guys from every single gang in New York have all come together because of one dude, Cyrus. He's the Martin Luther King, if you will, of gang leaders. Like he's the guy who's like, look, if we all work together, and I'll get to that when I read his speech, if we all work together, we can control this city. And everybody, every gang is like, all right, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Except for one gang. <clears throat> Fuckers. Anyways, picture this park filled, and but everybody's cool everybody's chill and they're all waiting on the center of the jungle gym it kind of centers around this kind of wooden platform and cyrus this guy steps up to the top of the platform yells out to the crowd can you count suckers i say the future is ours if you can count his deliveries are amazing. Oh, it's great. And then, you know, you've got like crowd come, come on, Cyrus, we're with you. We're Go with you, it, Cyrus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. And then he mentions what I just said earlier with all the gangs. He's like, now look what we have here before us. We've got the Sorensen sitting next to the Jones Street boys. We've got the Moon Runners right next to the Van Cortlandt Rangers. Nobody is wasting nobody. That is a miracle. And miracles is the way things ought to be. Yeah! Ah, the crowd goes wild. Ah, <laughs> and as they're clapping, like there's a shot of the warriors, and they're all clapping pretty much. And Cowboy's going nuts. He's yeah. going all fanboy. And Ajax looks at him like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Yeah. You know, he's looking all bitter and pissed because he doesn't give a shit about any of this stuff. And it goes back to <laughs> now. You hear like, yeah, everyone's cheering. And then it goes back to Cyrus. He's like. You're standing right now with a hundred delegates from a hundred gangs, and there's over a hundred more. That's twenty thousand hardcore members, forty thousand counting affiliates, and twenty thousand more not organized but ready to fight. Sixty thousand soldiers. Now there ain't nothing but twenty thousand police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can, Can you, you dig, dig it? it? Can you dig it? <laughs> and the crowd goes nuts. I I love how he does the three can you dig it and that last can you dig it is that it's so basic. Can you dig it? And I even I'm like, yes, I can fucking dig it. <laughs> And everybody is so geeked, so yeah. pumped, right? I mean, I can see why, man. Fucking Cyrus is he he's 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 awesome. He's fucking awesome. He's charismatic. He's he's the guy we've all wanted. Yeah. He's, he's the he's the man, right? So goes back to Cyrus. He says, Now here's the sum total. One gang can run this city, one gang. Nothing would move without us allowing it to happen. We could tax the crime syndicates, the police. Because we got the streets, suckers. Can you dig it? <laughs> and at, right after he says that, you see police officers pulling up. And you're like, oh, shit. How do they know about this? Yeah. We'll get to that later. My note was, uh, I, I love 70s police cars. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. They're so fast, and yet they don't look like they're supposed to be fast. I know. I know. <laughs> they look like something you're, you're, you know, someone who sells vacuum cleaners should be driving. Uh <laughs> 
And then, yeah, you know, you cut back to Cyrus and he's like, the problem in the past has been the man turning us against one another, which is true. If you think about it in a way, it's like this is kind of how things work. Yeah, I mean, in, in especially with the privatization of our of our prisons. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Cyrus is a hundred percent correct, and you know what? I say let him have New York. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, he's like, we've been able to see the truth because we've been fighting for ten square feet of ground, our turf, our little piece of turf. That's crap, brothers. The turf is ours by right. Because it's our turf. <laughs> I'm like, sure, okay. All we have to do is keep up the general truce. We take over one borough at a time, secure our territory, secure our turf. Because it's all our oh. turf. turf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So this is when shit gets real. Okay, so it's all fantasy, all goo goo gaga. Crowds cheering, going nuts. And right after this happens, you start seeing a gun get passed from one guy to another, one guy to another. And then it's given to, we don't know who he is at this moment, but it's given to Luther, a.k.a. DPK, the leader of the rogues. And he aims directly at Cyrus. Pulls the trigger, shoots Cyrus in a very, very impactful moment. Yeah. Cyrus gets taken out, shot in the chest, falls off of the jungle gym structure thing that he's on, crashes through the ground in a really intense stunt. It's really well done. Uh, Everybody starts freaking out. And right after this happens, who witnesses the whole thing but Thomas G. Waits' character, the fox, sees it happen. Luther turns, looks at Fox, pulls his gun out, pulls the gun out to pull the trigger on Fox to kill him. But there's spotlights set up, presumably by the police, shines right on Luther, blinds him so he can't see what happens. And Fox splits. And it's a great shot of Fox because it's, um, you know, he the, the background is very out of focus. So it's, you know, you can tell, but it's like a telephoto lens that they're using. It's a, it's a beautiful shot. The cinematography in this movie, as you mentioned earlier, is fantastic. Andrew Laszlo. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So good. And everyone's scattered at this point. And then Cleon kind of is instructing the warriors and he's like, look, you know, keep your ass to the ground, stay against the crowd, you know, get out of here. And he's, and he, and he's off looking for more of his people because, uh, I love that. I love that. I loved Cleon dude. And you know, we're going to, he's going to be gone soon, but he's awesome. Like they, they do a great job of making you know that he is the leader. I mean, just no doubt at all the way he controls the scene whenever he's in it with them. It's, it's great casting. Yeah, he's such a man. He's and again, you got to check out hair because he's great in that, too. But um, yeah, so everyone's scattering. Rembrandt's looking like super timid. And uh, at this point, they cut back to Cyrus, who's being carried by the riffs kind of to the ground and inspecting and making sure like he is clearly dead. Everyone's moving around in the Fox. uh, Fox finds Rembrandt and Rembrandt's like, is Cleon all right? And he's like, I think he's up there. And Rembrandt's like, are you sure? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, let's, let's keep moving. There's a lot of scattering chaos going on. Cleon goes down to check out what's going on with Cyrus because he's one of the head dudes. And then Luther grabs his guy, and his guy's name is Cropsy. By the way, I saw the Warriors at a midnight screening at the New Art on Santa Monica next to cinephile 
video. Okay. And Cropsy was there. Oh, the guy, cool. actor who plays Cropsy. Ah. And he was giving out his um, his eight by tens. Huh. With his and he autographed it, so I have an autograph of Cropsy somewhere downstairs on my wall of wall of fame. To, uh, to me, he kind of looked like a 1979 Dimitri Martin. <laughs> totally, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Cropsy's great. Cropsy's great. And by the way, he gave out a shit ton of like Rockstar Game Warrior stickers that I oh, have, cool. and a Rockstar cool. Game Warriors poster. I have so much Warriors shit. Anyways, save that for later. Um, but yeah, so so Cleon goes to check on Cyrus. Luther yells out. He's the one. He's the one. The warriors did it. The warriors did it. He shot Cyrus. No, I, and and you, I know you're you're doing like a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's not really. No, it's not. If you <laughs> if that. you if you've never seen the movie, David Patrick Kelly sounds like this in the movie it's it's weird, but it works. Like it's it's sniveling, but at the same time. Here, here's why I think it works. It sounds sniveling, but it's 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 as if he's a predator doing something sort of like you can tell he doesn't feel that way. He's a sociopath. He's saying that like the sniveling sort of way to kind of pretend he he doesn't. It's it's interesting. I like it. It's it's a defense mechanism sort of, but it's also just like a, a, a sort of a camouflage mechanism because he's pure evil inside. Well, so he based his character around. Is it Claudius in Hamlet? Uh, it might be. It's either Claudius or Polonius. I'm trying to remember which character he based it around in Hamlet. All I know is he based it around the the deceitful uh, backstabber. Okay. okay. In Hamlet, which is really, which is really fucking deep. David Patrick Kelly, you know, guys, you got to remember, as as um, though he's played so many villains in his life, he's a he is a such a talented actor. Yeah. And he's so good. And like, then you can tell he's like a like, like so trained. A, like a yeah, trained, a very thoughtful actor. Even like you said, even though yeah, he's playing bad guys, it doesn't surprise me that he put thought into like the the speech of this character. I mean, the, the fact that it's it's a it's a little bit annoying, I guarantee you is by design of David Patrick Kelly probably working with Walter Hill, like working on the character and every, everything is by design here. It's in, it's totally intentional, and you want to see when he gets his comeuppance, which yeah. he will. That it makes it even more satisfying because yeah. you know he's such a little shit. Yeah. Right? So yeah, he's yelling, "The Warriors did it! The Warriors did it! The Warriors!" Did it. And he runs up to Cleon to like allegedly kick his ass and Cleon just fucking knocks the sh- just elbows him once and knocks him cold cocks him he cold cocks him I loved it because 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 Cleon's like he's like looks over doesn't he doesn't know uh, Luther he's at like, all man I didn't do shit yeah and he's like man I didn't do shit and then all of a sudden this little troll comes running after him and you can just tell that the character Cleon is like really is this really happening and he immediately throws him like dismisses him to the side and then when david patch kelly or luther kind of recovers himself he kind of hits him in the in the chest with the with the you know an arm thing and i'm like it was great he just he dismissed him so easily he knocks him to the fucking ground yeah because 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 you know luther's all full of piss and vinegar he shot Cyrus. He did it. I'm going to get him. And then he gets his ass handed to him. But it's too late at this point because at that point now, 
everyone thinks Cleon killed Cyrus, yeah. including the Rifts, and they surround him. Uh, the Rifts start coming in to attack him. He starts taking a few of them out, but then he gets taken down by all the Rifts, and they just beat the yeah. shit out of him. You don't see that he's killed. Who knows? Maybe he just got... Most likely he did get beat to death, unfortunately. And that's the end of Cleon, unfortunately. And the Warriors are now nine down to eight. Yep. From that point on, the Warriors are still rushing out. Um, They find a a fence, a wall at the park that kind of separates. The park from a a cemetery. Yeah, and and they kick the wall open. They go through the wall, and they wind up in a cemetery. And that's where they hide. Oh, man. I love this scene. I love every scene in this movie, but uh, I love the scene because they kind of, they they look like they've been yeah. running all night, stressed yeah. out as shit. They're like they're drenched in sweat. Drenched in sweat. Right? And so at that point now, everybody's checking on each other. Everybody okay? Right? And then Swan, who's kind of like the lieutenant, right? He goes, does everybody, everybody make it? Yeah, and, and you say lieutenant. But it's 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 better than that. His name is Warchief. Warchief. And yeah. and so but um I guess so Cleon was the uh not war master. What what did what did Swan not Swan, what did Ajax want to be? It was different. Warmonger warlord. something. Warlord. warlord. There warlord. you go. I want to be warlord. There you go. So make your move. I, I love <laughs> I love that they have their own internal vernacular and their own like hierarchy and structure and everything. Well, right they're down, the warriors, right? Yeah, so. Of course. I mean, it makes sense uh, that they would do that. Um, but I, I just I like that. I think that's so fucking cool. And then also oh, yeah. too, you know, uh, I think Swan or whoever sends uh, Rembrandt to go scout ahead, Swan, and it's yeah. like, well, of course. I mean, you don't have fucking cell phones in 1979. You don't know. You, they don't know where the train station is. They, they're, they're turned around at this point. You don't have Google Maps on your phone and everything. So I was like, that's so cool sending Rembrandt to go, like, kind of, like, hop up on a mausoleum to go get a higher ground and get a look, you know? Totally. I There, there was there was a point uh, when The Warriors was being discussed to be remade. Tony Scott was going to do the remake, and then he committed suicide, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. And rest in peace. Um, I'm glad they didn't remake it. Because this movie is very similar to me as uh, as After Hours, which is a great Mar- – it's my favorite Martin Scorsese movie with Griffin Dunn where he gets stuck in the middle of downtown New York one night and uh, he doesn't have money for a cab and he's got no money for a payphone. And you can't remake movies like that because at this day and age, everyone's got a cell phone. So like this to me, you can't remake Warriors because – they would have they would have got fucking Uber and get the fuck out of there. I, I know so the conceit is they would just get Uber and be gone with it, you know. And yeah, yeah I'm I'm totally with you. There's just some things, yeah, you, you can't do because modern technology is like it would completely negate the entire fucking movie and shouldn't be done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, no, yeah. No. Like, like the thing is a remake. If you're gonna do a remake, make it like the thing. But if you can't make it like the thing then don't touch it at all there you go (laughs) so there you go so okay so yeah swan's asking if everybody made it and uh and then fox says just cleon's missing and (laughs) and uh cochise says the fuzz must have got him and then swan says to cochise is like well did you see him get busted and cochise says i seen him then he wasn't there no more I was hauling ass. <laughs> and then uh, Swan says, you know, why don't you look around and make sure we're okay? He says at the Rembrandt. And Rembrandt's like, this is a graveyard. 
<laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then Cowboy's like, okay. He sends him off. And then Cowboy's like, well, what are we going to do now? And Swan just says simply, we're going back. And Vermin says, you mind telling us how? Fucking Coney Island must be 50 to 100 miles from here. And Swan's like, it's our only choice we got. And Coach is like, yeah, real simple. Except that every cop in this city is looking to bust our heads. And Swan says, well, we got we got something else to think about. The truce. And that's when Snow is like, the truce, is it still on? And Vermin, Vermin's like, yeah, if it ain't, then we got to bop our way back. I love that. He's got to yeah. bop. We yeah. got to bop our way back. And then Cowboy's like, shit, I wish we was packed. And Swan says, well, if the truce is off, anything could hit us between here and that train. If you get separated, make it to the platform in Union Square. That's where we train. That's where we change trains. And then Ajax pipes up. He's like, well, I got one question. Who named you leader? I got as much right as you to take over. Like he's, a, he's not even thinking about fucking getting back. He just no. wants to be in charge, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Ajax, yeah. Ajax going to Ajax. <laughs> and then Fox being Fox is like, Fox, it was, you know, it was Cleon's choice. Swan's war chief. And Ajax is like, well, well, right about now, Cleon's most likely got a nightstick. <laughs> Cleon's most likely got a nightstick shoved halfway up his ass. Yeah. Shit. I bet you can't even find the subway. <laughs> <laughs> and Swan's like, well, maybe we ought to talk about this later, huh? Like, he's trying to be fucking diplomatic. Yeah, th- right? this is not the time or the place, Ajax. Come on. And Ajax's and priorities Ajax- are fucked. No, and Ajax is like, well, what's wrong with right now? I want to be warlord. And Swan's like, well, fine, fuck it. Make your move. And then I love this because now you go to every warrior and, and Cowboy's like, hey, Ajax, lighten up. And Vermin's like, big boy, Swan's war chief, right? And Cochise is like, we better stick together. And then finally, Rembrandt chimes in. Hey, you guys, the train's right over there. Come on, hurry up, let's go, right? You know, they, they, yeah. they go off. And I love this when Swan's like, let's move. And then Cochise like tries to be cool with Ajax. He's like, hey, come on, man, just stay loose. And Ajax goes, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he made his play. He made his play. Sure did. And Swan's like, Rembrandt, you know, tells Rembrandt to mark the spot. And Rembrandt does tags up. He he's get, gets ready to tag, and he just tags a giant W. Yeah. I remember that being a little cheesy, like oh, just a giant W, you know. Nowadays, my buddy Jamal, I know Jamal listens to this. Jamal would have been like, oh, I would have been fucking warriors backwards. <laughs> so when people look in the rear view, they see the logo, you know, because his tag. My buddy Jamal used to tag up shit all the time, and I would go with him, and and his tag was reverse, and oh, he would cool. write it in reverse. That's cool. cool. That's cool. Jamal's. Awesome. Anyways, um, from there, that's the end of the scene in the cemetery, and you cut to the Rift's headquarters. I love this. Like you were talking about, Masai, the leader of the Rift, is standing in front of his whole group, and he just says, Rift's, and they go, yeah, right. And it's cool because it's kind of like a cross between the Black Panthers and Samurais, like or like like Dojo Gi, like you know they're sort of wearing sort of Gi type of thing. It's it's very interesting. The costume it's design, like disco Gi's. Yeah, it, the, the costume design is is awesome because sparkly. It could have been stupid, man. It could have all of this could have been silly 
And for some reason, it's not because they sell it. When they're standing there, they're not giggling or laughing. They're all looking intense, you know. But they're but they're wearing like silk robes, you know. It's you know, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the what Shownuff and Last Dragon or something. You know, it looks a little bit oh, like that. Shownuff was totally influenced by the Warriors, right? Like that so was definitely many movies. Yeah, 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 definitely. And there's two types of people in this world. There's one the one person that gets this and looks at it and says, take it for what it is. You know, just lose yourself. Yeah. Just like you lost yourself in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. The same idea. And then there's the other side. It's like, oh, that's cheesy. And they're wearing this stupid costume. And the, those people suck. Because, because, if this, <laughs> because if this movie, if the Gramercy riffs didn't like look like that, if they didn't look like Black Panthers meet Samurais, uh, if, 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 you know, if there weren't a gang of mimes, if it wasn't as cartoony as it is, this well, movie would to, yeah. not be as memorable as it is. And no. they leaned into it and they made it work. I, I think on paper, this would have been a hard sell. Like we're going to make a gang movie, but it's a comic book. What? You know what well, I mean? But, yeah. but it, it, it works. It actually works. And, and you know, it's funny because this, you would think that this was Walter Hill's first movie because it feels so experimental. And it does. It, it, it does feel like his first movie. It feels like his, yeah, it, it really does feel like a debut, but he made, he made the driver before this, which is great again. And hard times with, um, um, Charles Bronson, and James Coburn, you know, which are like two legit blockbuster films. And then, and, but they weren't kind of reviewed very well. And then he makes the warriors, which is really obscure with, with relative unknowns. I think, I think, uh, Thomas Waits in his interview said that he was maybe one of the most, he was going to be like top build in this movie, which says, you know, most people were kind of unknown in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, so like it's a big deal for him to go out on a limb and do shit like this. But, anyways, uh, cut back to the riffs. And, and I love just Masai. real quick. I just would. I mean, I can't imagine, like you know, the dailies of this. You know, your oh, producer seeing this, like they had to be on board. Like, you know you, what I mean? Like, they, they, be on if board. they weren't on board, they would have. They would have seen the dailies of this scene and been like, "Oh my god, pull pull the plug!" You know, they're they're, they're a bunch of samurais. You know, like what is this? But clearly, the producers were on board with the vision, and it's it just it's cohesive. It works. The whole thing is cohesive. And the reason why this movie is a classic is because it feels like it wasn't touched by a studio. Yeah. It feels yeah. like it was just straight up. Okay. Put what you want out there. Cause it's all out there. It's all out there. You just got to know what's worth stealing. It feels like an auteurs film. It totally does. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Masai says, who are the warriors? There must be some word. I want them all. I want all those warriors. I want them alive if possible, if not wasted, but I want them. Send the word. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life, strange-but-true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful. 
in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. <laughs> and now, back to the show. And from there, you cut to the DJ. Such a vital part of this movie. The DJ is mm-hmm. the messenger yep. of all the gangs in the city to where the warriors could be. <laughs> because, the, again, there's no cell phones. There's no groups for everyone to join nope. up for a meetup. Because nowadays, Cyrus would have just created a meetup on the app, you know. But back then, they had to get the word out. And that is such a cool way of doing it. Whereas, like, if everyone knows that you have to listen to this one radio station because this one female DJ is in the know and also delivers information, first off, great for ratings for you and uh you know but second off it's like it's cool that everyone is in the know that this is what you have to do and and that the information will be coming via this source it's so cool and if you think about it like this shit's been it it had gone into the late 80s early 90s when when the radio was the the best the first way to get our news delivered to us right before internet you think about the movie like do the right thing you know we're where Sam Jackson was the was the DJ relaying yeah. kind of the message to everybody on the street to what was going on. But yeah, uh, Lynn Thigpen, the the DJ, radio DJ, I love it. She's like, all right now for all you boppers out there in the big city, because she's got to be a little a little coded too. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah, it's it's code. It's all code. And she's like, all you street people with an ear for the action. And just a s- slight pause, I wrote down all this dialogue because I felt like it was so important to capture truly what was going on. Um, Anyways, back to it. All you street people with an ear for the action. I've been asked to relay a request from the Gramercy Riffs. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a hit with them in mind. And she starts playing like this disco version of Nowhere to Run. You know, Nowhere to Run, dude, Which is perfect. Absolutely perfect. perfect. Love it. And it it. starts raining. Uh, No, no, no. The the rain comes later. Around this montage scene, the rain starts coming down. And, you know, during this, it's it's the first of many montages. But the the Warriors are hiding. Uh, There's a shot of the the first shot of the Baseball Furies. Everybody trips over Mm -hmm. the Baseball Furies who end up kind of getting their asses just handed to them. My wife was very unimpressed by the base because <laughs> i was so excited because i like the baseball furies they're they're very visually everybody loves the everyone loves furies. them yeah they do but let's be honest they they they, they are not impressive and my wife <laughs> she did not let that get past her <laughs> yeah they they suck they suck they they really do they look intimidating as mm-hmm. shit and then they can't hold their own no. for more than 30 seconds against the warriors um great idea Learn how to fucking fight, Baseball Furies. Um, cut to the Turnbull ACs, who are like skinheads, but it's, you know, they're not white skinheads. It's a mixture of like black guys, Hispanic guys, everybody, white guys. So I want to bring this up now. This was something that my wife and I started tracking. Uh, first off, she was like, I like the fact that that, that the Warriors have, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's multi-ethnical diversity, yes. you know, group. And then the skinheads, like you just said, they, it's not about the Nazism. They just shave their heads. That's it. But yeah. they are very diverse. And not every group, um, the, the, the overalls wearing uh, group is, is, is all white. But for the most part, I was extremely 
And so was my wife, extremely impressed by how politically correct the groups were and how open and inclusive each group was to have people in it. We were like, holy crap, this is great. Like, there's no group that's like, this is the black guys, this is the white guys, the Latinos. Like, they were all just... The groups weren't the groups weren't based on their race. It was it was based on a, a theme, and then anyone could be in it. It seemed like I love that aspect of it, and so did my wife. To be honest with you, ditto, dude, ditto. I I mean, um, fun fact: my first band that I ever started was called. I call we were thinking about band names, and I'm like, let's call ourselves the Turnbull ACs because <laughs> I thought that sounded really cool. And they're like, what's that from? And I said, the Warriors. And like, okay. And then it, we later became Chuck Norris Action Pants. That's a whole other story. Sure. Uh, but yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, the Turnbull ACs are so fucking dope. Yeah, diversity across the board, dude. Across the board. Show this to kids nowadays. Not I little mean, kids. But, you know. No, but I mean, honestly, it's actually a very positive message. I agree with you. I agree with you. So in interspersed in this, there's, there's a sequence where it starts raining. That was not planned. It just started raining, according to the documentary on the, on the Blu-ray. And there's a shot of them running or like kind of hiding out and there's lightning in the sky. That was not planned either. That was not drawn on. That was just like happenstance. Wow. Fucking beautiful. I thought uh, that that was uh, that was like post production drawn on lightning. That's really cool. Nope. That's that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's totally spontaneous. And uh, and then you cut back to the DJ, and she goes, "Be looking good, warriors, all the way back to Coney. You hear me, babies? Good, real good. Adios." <laughs> With those beautiful lips. And oh yeah. Lipstick and all shiny and, and shit. And she's got that sultry voice. It's perfect. She's she, so it's, good, it's a man. Perfect Lint portrayal. Again, she passed away a few years ago. She's so good. Like she, she played a really menacing mom in the Lean on Me, uh, directed by mm. John G. Avildsen. The ba- true story with Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that's a great movie too, by the way. Um, and it cuts back to Ajax, and they're kind of hiding out. The Warriors are hi- hiding out uh, under the subway line, the train line. And Ajax is like, "Come on, what kind of chicken shit crap is this?" Yeah, Ajax <laughs> oh, wants to be just. He always wants to be in a fight. He always wants to be fucking fighting, right, with his with his fingerless gloves. And um, Coach is like, yeah, come on, man. We're here. What are we waiting for? And then Fox, Fox, the, the voice of reason, is like a train would help unless you want to go up there and get – Unless you want to go up there and get jaffed on an open platform. Yeah. <laughs> Again, not politically correct. No, no, I, I noticed that a couple times, and it's funny because now <laughs> I don't know. Says I, it later. I, yeah, he goes, yeah, so it's it's japped. And I guess, I guess, because I, I don't actually even it's a know what it's 1942 reference. Well, I guess I was going to say, I got jumped, like like surprise attacked, essentially, basically. But it's, it's Pearl interesting. Harbor, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting that, like, he didn't say jumped, like, he said japped, surprise attack. And I was like, okay, all right, interesting. Yeah. And again, I'm going to utter another word that's not appropriate, but it is what it is because I'm reading it from the, uh, you know, from yeah. the actual movie dialogue. And uh, and then, yeah, Cochise is like, bullshit, man. There ain't nobody on the street. And then Ajax is like, he's right. <laughs> We're acting like faggots. <laughs> Ajax has, he, he's Jesus got a very Ajax. small vocabulary. <laughs> he does. And again, guys, I'm only quoting the movie. I'm yeah, only no. quoting the movie. No, and because we've we've talked extensively how we're not a we're not a big fan of that word and everything, but it's just it's just the time, it's the movie, yeah. you know, it's whatever. 
it is yeah and you gotta you gotta take it in context and, and we're and I, I mean we're both glad that it's not a mainstream word anymore so totally it's horrible it should never be used i'm just saying that's what that's what that's what ajax said yep don't blame me blame ajax um and then i love this because swan's like just keep talking like shut the fuck up you guys and right after these he says that the turnbull acs roll down the street in their big ass bus school bus yeah and like looking intimidating as shit. It's a fucking. It's a school bull. It's a school bus full of motherfuckers. Like I'm talking chock full. Every seat hanging out on top. I mean, chock full of motherfuckers. Chock full of badass bald motherfuckers. And <laughs> they drive past the word, <laughs> but inclusive motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very well said. Very, well very said. progressive. They're very yeah, progressive. Progressive, uh, bald motherfuckers. Yes. So they they roll down the street past the warriors. The warriors they don't see the warriors, and then Swan's like, "Move, let's go." You know, they 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 start heading towards the subway because the subway starts coming in. Right. Warriors start. They they go to one side of the, they go from one side of the street to the other. Then the turn will see them. And Snow is like, that's the Turnbull ACs. And and then Cowboy's like, I think they forgot about the truth. Truce. And uh, Vermin's like, yeah, no shit. And Ajax goes, those lousy, skinheaded fucks. Right? And um, Swan sends Fox to kind of scope and see what's going on, like where the, the ACs are. And then you see the train roll in overhead. And then Vermin says, that's our train. We got to make it. And you see the, the bus goes down to the end of the street and kind of makes a U-turn and comes back. And Rembrandt's like, oh, Jesus Christ. And Fox comes back and, like, you know, says, are we going to go for it? And then Swan just nods. And then they run off across the street in front of the bus that's coming down towards them. They have to run down the street to the entrance of the subway, down this long street. And... The Turnbulls just take off, rolling towards them as fast as they can, and this is when the Warriors are running their asses off. Yeah. And it looks legit tense, yeah. dude. Yeah. They are just, and you hear the Turnbulls screaming at them. The Warriors are rolling up the, the staircase up to the subway. Um, and at this point, they're all going up, and Ajax stays behind just to flip them off one time. Of course. Time. Just, of course. You know. <laughs> Just to be a fucking dick. But then we get and, a great shot of uh, someone swinging their two by four at him and dude, hitting, hitting like a pillar, just barely missing him and breaking it as he runs up the stairs. Very, the stairs. very like exhilarating. Yeah, exhilarating. And and you feel like they probably had extras up at the subway, but they're blazing past these extras, knocking them over. There's one chick with like this big blonde afro. Yeah, almost knocks her on her ass. Another guy in like a. Like, it looks like he jumped off of the video game uh, elevator action with the trench coat and the, the hat. Gets knocked into the subway. And the warriors, like, pile onto the subway. And Ajax is trailing behind him. And he's like, hold the fucking train! <laughs> you know? And the warriors are like, go, 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 go. And they get on the train. And can I say and, real quick? Yeah, please. I love and it, it's it's here and it's later, but every time they go somewhere onto the train with Swan, Swan's counting heads as people are coming in. Oh, dude! And great. it's it's yeah. such a little 
character thing that they don't ever call out or whatever, but you can see it. Swan is making sure all of his soldiers are there, even Ajax, because, I mean, Ajax is still his fucking boy, still his responsibility, and as he's coming, he's like, one, two, he's counting. I'm like, that's fucking cool, man. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, dude, it, it, it's such a great, like, subtle thing. Great, Nice job point, pointing that out, dude. It, that's... See that shows a real fan. Hey man, hey buddy, I watched hey buddy it, buddy. Boy. I, buddy boy, buddy boy, sleazy B, sleazy, sleazy, beautiful B, sleazy C with this beautiful, bountiful, bouffant hairdo. My yeah, my COVID hair is the longest it's ever been in my oh life. Oh my god! So they get on the train, and I love this because the, the they get on the train and the Turnbulls are right behind their asses. And they're like, close the door, close the door, close the door. Like they're yelling at the subway conductor and they finally close the door and they start rolling off. And then they just start laughing at the Turnbull AC. He's like, yeah, we got yeah. away from you fuckers. Like two seconds ago, they were pissing their pants. Of course. Look at their asses. Of but course. they escaped. And, and I love how they frame this because the warriors don't say this, but everybody else is like, oh, they 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 beat the Turnbull ACs. No, they did. They didn't beat the Turnbull ACs. They just out. They just out yeah. ran them and got on the train in time. Well, and you know? and also too the 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 first time I watched this of these two consecutive watchings, I kind of didn't really grasp the fact that yeah, the, the Warriors don't really know that they're being hunted at this point. They don't actually they don't. find out until the Lizzies, uh, which is pretty much near the end. So 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, they're just like, they have no clue, which makes sense because they don't have a radio on them. There's no boom box. And they did a good job during the montage of showing people listening to the radio and every like the other gangs listening to the radio and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of didn't click for me the first time that, oh yeah, like they don't they don't know that they're being hunted. They they don't they don't all they know is is they they're thinking maybe the truce is off right that's because it there's yeah the truce the truce is that no one's gonna waste anybody right everybody's gonna be chill but obviously they're thinking well maybe the truce is off but there's yeah. more to it than that which they don't find out like you said to the end but on the subway I love this because they get on they're like oh so relieved right and Vermin's like oh those guys are some desperate dudes mm-hmm. and Cowboy's like hey so is we so is we <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then Ajax is like oh we could have take them bunch of chicken shit <laughs> bunch uh, of chicken shit I will say that of all the groups I think the Turnbull ACs would have beat them and just from oh. sheer numbers Turnbull and the Riffs would have wrecked them yeah, yeah, but yeah exactly absolutely. by sheer yeah. numbers right yeah and then uh yeah, I love that. Ajax is like, eh, they were chicken shits, right? And Cowboy's like, well, <laughs> they didn't look like chicken shits to me, right? And Vermin's like, yeah, me neither. And Cochise is like, well, well, you know what? We made it. And in an hour, it's CI, the big Coney. And Ajax was like, yeah, give me that fist, buddy. <laughs> and then Swan is like, yeah, well, when we made it, when we get there, that's when we made it. Like, don't start. Yeah. I mean, partying guys no dude coaches focus keep focused man i like focused. that i like i like where swan's head is at and coaches is like hey no sweat war chiefs like be cool be cool and rembrandt's looking at a map he's like hey i got coney island and then ajax says you want to figure out how many stops to union square and then coaches gives him some shit he's like hey come on man that's high math rembrandt kind of digging him in shit. like rembrandt's yeah. maybe not that smart right and fox of course being the awesome diplomat that he is says, you know, no, don't worry. Like nobody can read these maps. And again, yeah. Thomas waits, like you see what 
Walter Hill saw in him that this guy has something about him like he's he's the he's the the conscience to the to the group and honestly if we hadn't interviewed him prior to us reviewing it I wouldn't have paid as much attention maybe to his character maybe I don't know but I'm glad that I did because he he turns in such a fantastic performance, Agreed. you know, uh, whatever happened behind the scenes, you know, notwithstanding, he, he turns in a fantastic performance. And I will say that his presence is missed once the character is gone. He, oh, yeah. He's great. Thomas G. Waits is great in this. I mean, Michael Beck as Swan carries a certain bravada about him throughout this whole movie. But Fox is... He's he's that he's that X factor. And dare I say that Swan works better when Fox is next to him, like when they're talking to the orphans in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, dude. I the dynamic between Fox and and Swan that is like I like that. I wanted to see Me more too. of that. I wanted to know before that, like what was going on and everything. I I liked that dynamic. I thought it was a great dynamic. Me too. Me too. So from there, we cut back to the Gramercy Riffs, and this is where Masai is sitting, chilling, and his his informant comes in and whispers in his ear. He's like, we just heard from the Turnbulls. They blew it. And then from there... But but it's it's back. so cool because it's, you know, it's it's uh, the actor playing Masai is looking right at the camera. It's got a Dutch angle, so it's kind of cockeyed. Nothing moves, nothing, and then the other guy's face just kind of comes in. It feels like Batman from the 60s, but... But not in a bad way, like you know, like like it, oh, no. it works. It it fits with the movie, but at the same time, it's so very comic booky. Like Walter Hill's not trying; he's telling everybody. He's like, look, just look right here. This is this is a fantasy. This is a comic. Book. This is not reality at all. No, he's not even trying to hide it. It's a fantasy. I think where people get this mixed up, or you know jolted in their mind is they're like well yeah but you're dealing with a gang which are real you're dealing with realistic scenarios but it's still a fantasy yeah in a time 1979 when i don't think people were ready for that yet yeah that's why it's so much more popular nowadays right yeah the 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 urban fantasy man is is a genre that i find utterly fascinating yeah, Judgment Night with yeah. uh, Emilio Estevez yep. is a is a comic book film. Yep, I, that, a dangerous that was, game in a way. Too. Yeah, and that was that was Walter Hill. I saw that in the theater, right, with uh, Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary, yeah, Walter Hill didn't do that. It actually, the oh. guy who directed it did. Uh, he did one of the Nightmare on Elm Street oh. movies. I forget. Shit. Okay, um, I thought that was Walter he did, Hill. But Walter Hill did Trespass. With, Trespass. With, that's right. That's right. Yeah, which was an urban setting, um, treasure. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Hidden Barry Treasure movie. Oh, cool. Love that movie okay. with Bill Paxton and okay. William Sadler from Demon Knight yeah. and Ice-T. And I think was Ice Cube in that. No, Ice-T was definitely in it, though. Anyways, uh, yeah, I love Trespass. Another great Walter Hill movie. Cut back to the Warriors. They're on the train. And the subway train has now stopped because there's a fire on the train line. Uh, and Rembrandt's like, ah, oh, shit, this train's had it. And Cowboy's like, this is fucking impossible. And Vermin says, what the shit are we going to do? Ah, oh, this sucks. 
But, and then Rembrandt's like, yeah, why couldn't it rain now? And like, yeah, exactly. That, which is so smart. Of course, yeah, because it was raining earlier, of course, yeah. Right? But but Fox, the voice Fox of reason. Like, maybe we ought to worry about who set that goddamn fire. There you right? go. I That's, love it, dude. I know, dude. Fox rocks, dude. Fox rocks. And Swan's like, come on, we got to go, right? <laughs> Cut to one of my f- favorite scenes in the movie. Cut to a candy store. And the rogues are at a... Eh, like an outdoor magazine candy shop on yeah. the street, right? And uh, Luther is on the payphone. They roll up in their sweet ride, this like old school kind of like 1930s roadster. Oh, no, that's uh, a hearse. That, they have a that, hearse. Is that a hearse? Is yeah. that what that is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Fucking old school, awesome. Like 1940s or 30s hearse, right? And uh, yeah, Luther's on the phone talking to somebody while cross. Cropsy is like stealing candy. <laughs> you mean from while, the, while Dimitri Martin is stealing candy? <laughs> yeah, from the from the candy girl, right? And then Luther's like, "Yeah, how are you?" And I was just checking in. Yeah, it was a real mess up there. He's on the phone with somebody, right? You don't know who it is. This guy Cyrus, he uh, he had an accident. Yeah, they did. Well, that's okay. These guys, the warriors. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, we will. You take care of yourself. Like that's the dialogue he's having with, with whoever's on the he's on the phone with. So, right? is, so is he talk? Did someone make him do it? I know he says at the end that he just likes doing stuff like that. But I was like, I, I was under the impression that like these scenes with him talking on the phone stuff that he was reporting back to somebody. Well, if if you if you take this Hamlet character, which is like a double crosser, you know, working with the enemy. He has a police badge on his jacket. Yeah. And you get the sense that maybe he's calling the cops. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Right? Maybe yeah. that's why the cops rolled up on him. Okay. Who knows? Um, there's a little bit of world building you could go on there, right? And uh, and then so from there, hangs up the phone, meets up with Cropsy, opens up a candy bar at the candy store, and Cropsy's like, we set? <laughs> and Luther's like, we're set, all right. Somebody should pick their ass up. The Riffs sent out the word. They want him alive. We don't. And Cropsy's like, yeah, the sooner someone grabs him, the better. And Luther's like, what's the matter? You're afraid the warriors are going to shoot their mouths off before they get racked? And Cropsy goes, yeah, right. I just don't want the Riffs coming down on my head. And Luther says, no sweat. They're looking for the warriors, remember? And, and I didn't realize until just now that's also foreshadowing by Cropsy. Yeah, it is. And... <laughs> When he does that, he's like ringing Cropsy's ear, like yeah. he's grabbing his ear. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, we could do some looking too. I want to make you feel better. And then after that, <laughs> he th- kind of like throws Cropsy and they to go take off. And, and then the gr- candy store girl is like, hey, what about the money you owe? <laughs> and then Luther just turns around and looks at her and he goes, what? <laughs> Like screams. Uh, he's such a piece of shit. Hope I didn't break shit. the microphone on it. <laughs> such a piece of shit. Such a piece of shit. Now, I will say, um, as someone who, you know, this is kind of like, aside from the time that you and I watched it, probably about, what, five or six years ago? Yeah. Um, you know, something like that. Uh, but right now, like, knowing, you know, knowing that, that you know, 
David Patrick Kelly's character is so famous from this movie and everything. Uh, the second time I watched it, I was very kind of taken aback by the fact that the rogues aren't in the movie that much. Like, David Patrick Kelly's kind of like at the beginning with the shot, kind of like here, and then he doesn't kind of show up until sort of the end. I was a little bit surprised about how little the rogues were in the movie. They're in it about as much as the riffs are. Yeah. If you yeah. think about it. Uh, yeah, he's not a lead actor, um, you know, but but he's a obviously a pivotal role because he's the one that killed Cyrus mm -hmm. and the one who definitely should get his comeuppance. But it's all about the warriors. So we cut back to the warriors who are now standing out. They're like in a they're in one of the burrows that looks like really run down and they're which is the home of the orphans, which is a gang that wasn't even invited to the <laughs> they're so well, Fox will tell you in a second, but. They're looking around at the the apartments and the tenant the, the the tenements that are there, and and they notice that all the kind of the orphans are watching them from above and down below. Yeah. And Fox says to Swan, he's like, "Oh, we've had it, you know," and uh, and Swan says, "Yeah, I made them. You know, there's two there and there's one there." And and Fox says, "I think they just made us." And Swan says, "You recognize them?" And he, and Fox says, "Yeah, it's the orphans." So far down, they ain't even on the map. Mm -hmm. Real low class. And Swan's like, what are the numbers? Because Fox, again, he's like the intelligence of the group. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's there's such a fantastic dynamic between Swan and Fox. And Fox is like, well, at full strength, there's more than, there's maybe 30. And Vermin's like, well, that's a lot more than eight. And then Ajax says, well, not if they're wimps. And I'm sick of this running crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ajax and, isn't wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And and so they're they're like on the street corner. And then so, and Swan says, well, come on this way. And the whole gang starts walking down the street, right? And then the orphans are kind of watching them. And further down the street, by one of the in front of one of the tenements, uh, the orphans are kind of standing there. And I and the warriors, and I love this because the leader kind of like clicks his fingers, snaps his fingers, and one of them runs off. And uh, the leader of the orphans, he looks like like a beat up David Schwimmer. Is what he, <laughs> is what I wrote. Well, and, it's uh, it's it's funny. His name is uh, Paul. Greco and like like every single other actor in this movie yes he's weird he's got a wonky eye but I'm still captivated by oh, him so every time you know every line of dialogue he has I honestly like this the, or the leader of the orphans honestly was one of my favorite characters in the entire movie I don't know why I just found him very interesting like his his look and everything I thought it was I loved it. I thought he was awesome for for some reason. Even though I know that they're that they're low class and lame, I'm I'm just I'm kind of looking at it from a a just an acting point of view. I think he just was like fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 2008 at the age of uh, 53. But Paul Greco, I thought he did a fantastic job as the leader of the orphans. He was actually at the New Art Midnight Screening of the Warriors. That had to be in like 2000. Six or two. No, that actually had to be in about 2007. Yeah. Right before he passed away. Wow. Because uh, I remember going to that with my, my neighbors at the time. And uh, and he was there with Cropsy. They were they mm. were both in attendance talking about the Warriors, which is yeah, it's a bummer that and, he passed away. And, and maybe, you know, maybe the reason I also liked him, too, because he seemed reasonable until Mercy became a bitch. You know, oh, well. uh, yeah. But, but we're all reasonable until <laughs> a woman comes in our lives. Yeah. And right. Tells us what to do. <laughs> right. Let's be honest. 
kind of rules us by one part of her. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, um, yeah, so he's with his David Schwimmer, orphan leader. He's with his group, and he kind of sends them off. <laughs> you should he, say lazy-eye David Schwimmer. Lazy-eye David Schwimmer. Broke back David Schwimmer. <laughs> and uh, and Cowboy says, you know where that cat's head, don't you? And Rembrandt says, yeah, reinforcements. And Vermin's like, we're going to get japped here. We're going to get japped. <laughs> Again, we're going to get japped. <laughs> and then Swan turns and looks at everybody in the Warriors, and he's like, no matter what he says, nobody lip off. Nobody get hot. I'm going to see what I can do. And then Ajax is like, well, when did you turn into a fucking diplomat? And then Vermin goes, yeah, you ain't exactly the State Department type. <laughs> and that's when Swan says, Fox, come with me, because Fox is the diplomat. Yep. Fox and Swan, who are across the whole, all the warriors are across the street from the orphans. Fox and Swan go to approach the orphans. They walk up to the orphan leader, and, and the leader says, you know, maybe you ought to show me your invitation. And Swan says, well, how do you figure? And he says, well, you come down here. Well, you come arming down here, invading our territory. No permits, no parlay. Swan says, well, we're not invading. And I'm parlaying right now. And Fox says, we were just at, up at that big meeting in the Bronx. We were going home to Coney. Train gets messed up and, uh, you know, me- gets messed up by the fire and dumps us here. And the orphan leader goes, he's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. How could this be a big meeting if the orphans weren't there? (laughs) (laughs) And I love that because he kind of smiles, but he's like, wait, are we that? No one knows about us? And Fox is like, well, you didn't miss anything. There was a lot of hassle and a lot of heads got busted. And then David Schwimmer is like, well, hey, you think the orphans ain't with it? You think the orphans ain't well known? And Swan's like, well, we we didn't say that. And then he's the David Schwimmer is getting more kind of upset. He's like, well, we got a heavy rep. You mess with us and you'll find that out. And then he snaps his fingers over to like his second in command. This kind of overweight looking dude and comes over with, <laughs> afro. A, with a fucking afro and his, and his big old like uh, newspaper clipping. And he hands the fox uh, a newspaper clipping. He's like, you see that? They write about our raids in the paper. I love that. I love that he has to have a newspaper clipping to validate his rep. Oh, it's 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 what we do now. I think, you know, and like showing how badass yeah. we are. Social media. It's just, Social that, media. That was just, you had, to, you had to, and now we just post like links to articles. You They had to actually cut the article out and hold on to it to show people. Yeah. And I love this line. Fox is like, oh yeah, yeah. It's real heavy. Orphans, right? Yeah. Youth worker. She talks about you guys all the time. <laughs> like they're youth because <laughs> they're, they're teenagers, right? And then I love that. He's like, yeah, youth worker, she talks about you all the time. And then the kind of second in command goes, we ain't got one. <laughs> like, they don't got a youth worker. And then Fox says, well, that must be because you guys are so bad. <laughs> they're too afraid of you. And they're trying not to laugh at this point. I know, but I also like how, like, Fox is saying all the right things. To oh, He's, he's doing everything right to, to grease lazy-eyed David Schwimmer. <laughs> he's, he's trying. <laughs> and then at that point, Lazy Eye David Schwimmer is like, okay, fine. There's nothing wrong with you making it through our territory as long as you come in peace. Yeah, see? He's fine. The orphans are fine. Three, two, one. Fucking mercy. This chick 
shows up. Can, you want to talk about Mercy? Well, yeah, we have Go to. Ahead. You can see her nipples the entire fucking movie. <laughs> I couldn't let that pass. I was like, the very first time I saw this movie with 70s, you, bro. I was like, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> the entire fucking movie. You could just see your nipples. It's wild <laughs> that no one like told her or, or whatever. Like maybe a different shirt. I'm not complaining, but boy, oh boy. Oh, that's maybe why she put a jacket on later. You know? Oh well, she put a jacket on later because she got her wrist broken. So, but uh, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe the little bit of little bit double entendre. There, yeah, there you, you go. There yeah, you go. so Mercy walks up with her tight top outside of the tenement, and you get the sense that she's like uh, the leader, the leader's girlfriend. You know. Well, is she? I so I have the entire time. I'm kind of confused by Mercy's role by her motivation as to why she she just kind of got wrapped up in it right like she just like like she just starts sticking with them but i never I'm, all the viewings i never kind of understood mercy like what her motivation was what any like why she was even there she starts as a as an antagonist and then sort of gets swept up with them and then becomes a part of them it's i you know fill me she's in lost you know she's she's lost she's she's a part of that group of like they're they're everybody's poor everybody comes from low class probably getting beat by their parents or treated like shit by their parents no one cares alcoholic fathers abusive mothers who knows what and and she's she shacks up with anybody that gives her the time of day uh and, and so she's you know desperate in that way painted as probably being desperate by today's standards but back in the day it's like you just go with whatever whoever's making you feel good right because they're just looking for escape uh everybody's dirty grimy no one everyone wants to get out yeah and i get the sense that she's just like well i'll go with what what's good for the night and i don't get the sense that she's a tramp uh or like like the way swan sort of calls her yeah but but she's just like i just need i need something to make me feel good to get to escape the madness of this low-class neighborhood i mean she even says it later she goes she goes she's like she wants it now she doesn't want the the american dream later or whatever she wants whatever she wants it now because because it's like she doesn't know how much time she has left because she sees what's around her she knows that her life is is a ticking clock like once she loses i'm sure she's painfully aware once she loses her looks she won't you know like have any value value in that arena and you know i'm not saying that that's correct i'm just saying that that's probably at the time and everything and what she looks at it like she's like okay and then at one point she's probably like okay she's been around the the orphans for so long and even though right now they kind of the warriors kind of sort of bring her like sort of suck them in suck her in with them but i think she does see that that the warriors offer probably something more than the orphans ever did yeah and she's she's desperate you know desperate to get out of her situation yeah yeah and so you know david schumer's like yeah cut it mercy and swan's kind of smiling because he likes her he's a you could tell he's kind of into her and then ajax says you know what that is don't you Mm. and cowboy's like yeah trouble fucking trouble (laughs) and uh and then mercy cuts back to mercy and she's like "Ooh, those vests are real nice and David Schwimmer's like, light num. Oh, sorry. The second in command's like, light num, mercy. Stop looking for trouble now. And the leader, D- David Schwimmer's like, I should have slapped your mouth the minute you opened it. <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> and then Mercy's like, well, yeah, well, so who stopped you? And then she looks over at Swan and she's like, come on, man. I just want one vest. You can get another one, man. 
And Swan just looks at her and goes, no chance. I love that. He's like, no chance. Nope, you, you ain't taking these colors because that shit is sacred. And then at this point, this is when Mercy, she's like the evil in your head. She's like, are you going to, she says to David Schwimmer, you just going to let an army walk through here anytime they feel like it? How's that going to look? And and David Schwimmer's like, get lost, right? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, pretty soon every gang's just going to boogie right in, soldier right through. I tell you, some man you are. And then he like looks defeated at this point. Ugh. David Schwimmer like looks like, like he just kicked him in the balls. I was you know? like, damn it, because like, you can see it, you it know, was and, so close. Yeah, it's so close. And even now, it's not, you know, he's like, he's like, just take your colors off, and you'll be take fine. your colors off. You can walk through. Yeah, and like, and also too, I was like, okay, like again, I'm like, I still like the orphans because he's still giving them a chance, you know, and and that's the right thing to do. I think. I think. Given them that option, but I, I get it. I get why the Warriors can't do that. And I think him saying it, like, he also knows, uh, Lazy Eye Davis Schwimmer knows that him saying that, he, he knows that they're they're not going to be able to. Like, he's pa- he knows he's painting them into a corner because they can't take off their colors. But, no, he, but he's being reasonable. He's saying, like, if you come through here like civilians, I won't have to come down on you. But if you come through like soldiers, I'm going to have to come down on you. And uh, remarkably, he says it more eloquently than I just did. But, uh, but I— He goes, I, you I, go with civilians, okay? You yeah. go with soldiers, I got to come down on you. Yeah. I take I, off your colors. I think that's reason. I remarkably, I think that's reasonable. But at the same time, I get why Swan and the Warriors can't do it. Well, well, Fox even says he's like, it's just our mark. It don't mean we're at war. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, uh, and then Sw- after he says, "You hear me?" and Swan looks at him and just says, "Fuck you." I love that. Yeah. And then Fox says, "We're not gonna hide." He looks at Mercy. He's like, "We're not gonna hide who we are just because some whore shakes our a- shakes her ass." And Mercy's like, "Don't call me no whore." I ain't no whore. <laughs> I'm going to go be on too close for comfort. Right. And then from there, Fox and Swan walk back over to the, over to the rest of the warriors. And Swan goes, let's go. We're marching down to the right to the next station, right through these lame fucks territory. That's now right. Let's move. I love that. And then they start marching off and Mercy's like, yeah, that's right. Warriors. Just keep walking real tough mothers. Ain't you? You guys don't show me much. Why don't you dickheads just walk all the way back home, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then Rembrandt's like, boy, that chick's got some mouth. And Vermin's like, oh, you both are really terrific back there. And Swan's like, yeah, mm-hmm. And then Cowboy's like, yeah, you guys really let them down good. <laughs> and then they're like basically, you know, pumping them all up. And then Ajax is like, well, I say we should have wasted them. And then Swan says, well, come on. Station's not that far away. And they keep on marching. So from here, I love this. I love this next kind of exchange because from here, you know, the warriors are marching down to the station, but Mercy's following them, and it's it's very open, desolate. I love this because like the streets are dead. This yeah. and again, another reason why this couldn't happen today. Like no one's on the streets. Yeah, no one. But they filmed this at like three in the morning. You know, yeah. When they yeah, and but at the same time, I mean, New York wasn't the New York that we know now. Back in nineteen seventy nine, it's just True. it wasn't. Uh, as as you know, whatever you want to say about Giuliani, now he did turn New York around in the nineties. He did. He did. You know, too bad he he's a fucking yeah. lunatic now. Yeah. But back in the day, he wasn't. Um, allegedly. Or he had good people with him. There you go. Anyways, yeah, Mercy's following the warriors, and then she kind of loses track of them. Next thing you know, Ajax grabs her, 
very like <laughs> accosting, like he's going to rape her kind of way. He puts his hand around her mouth and he's holding her and she's like, let me go, let me go. And, you know, she's mumbling, let me go. And then finally Swan like looks at, looks over at Ajax. And he's like, you know, basically gives her the signal, gives him the signal to let her go. And he looks all annoyed and he lets her go. Cause he looks like he wants to, he's rough. He either wants to fight or fuck yeah. basically is who he is. That's the kind of dude he is. And it seems like when he fucks, he, he fucks rough. So my thing with this movie and what I, I didn't know where to, to kind of put it. And when I wanted to ask you this, but like, the, the movie doesn't show us anything before the movie. So we only have this, and clearly the Warriors are our protagonists. But do you think, like, on the, like up until this moment, you know, the day before, everything up until the day before, were, like, were they a gang that also, like, mugged old ladies and stuff? Because I feel like here I'm kind of, like, I'm trying to put picture them as the good gang, you know what I mean? They are. The, they okay. are. Because, uh there's, I think it's the, the, I think it's the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, but Cleon has a backstory with his girlfriend. Like they want to get out, you know, they want to get out of, out of this life, out of the city, start a real life. You know, is that, is that kind of like at the end where Swan's like, we fought our whole way to get back to this. Like, is that kind of like, um, a leftover of that storyline that they yeah, kind of expunged? That's okay. That's okay. What I think. Yeah. So, so you picture them. Up until, like, you know, before this, like, when they were just being their, you know, the warriors doing their thing, they weren't, like, the bad kind of gangs that would rob people and rough people up and rape them. And maybe Ajax is a little rough, but maybe Cleon kept him in check, right, type of thing? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think okay. so, because, you know, Swan's, like, he kind of gives her, gives Ajax a nod to let her go a little bit. And he looks at her, he's like, okay, well, what do you got in mind, you know? I love this because she goes, well, well, maybe I'm looking for some real action. And Vermin's like, what about me? I got the big one. <laughs> and then <laughs> Ajax grabs her and he's like, I'll give it to you, baby. And Swan yells. He kind of he doesn't yell, but he's like very firmly. He's like, let her go. And she and again, Ajax looks annoyed. And he rocks up and he grabs Mercy. And Mercy goes, oh, you got to jump me. <laughs> And Swan says, maybe we ought to pull a train on you. You look like you might even like it. She's like, fuck you. Real tough chick, Swan says. <laughs> and right after that happens, across the street, the warriors, uh, the orphans roll up with straight razors ready to party. David Schwimmer with his lazy eye says, you see? You see what you get, warriors? You see what you get when you mess with the orphans? And everyone cheers. And then... You know, second in command, little Arnold Horshack, little Epstein from from fucking Welcome Back, Cotter. He goes, we're going to rain on you, warriors. Yeah. Right. Then as they're cheering and they're getting all pumped up, the uh, warriors are lighting up a Molotov cocktail. And so so this I found to be really cool. So I don't remember. It's fucking I, awesome. Was it Cochise like, or was it Snow? One of them had a bottle like on a like sort of around their neck and, it was or, coaches. And, and and that's what he took off and then kind of yeah. passed it down so that bottle was always there as a a like as a molotov cocktail ready to go he had his grenade. yeah wow he had his grenade. that's cool dude i thought that was fucking cool because even had like it was like wrapped in everything you know i was like okay okay that's it's, it was kind of like his weapon the whole time i didn't even yep. you don't even realize it until they need to use it 
and they needed to use it right now. They give it to Swan. He lobs it at a little uh, state uh, Oldsmobile that's parked right next to the orphans, lights it up, <laughs> blows up, scares the shit out of the orphans, and they run off. The, the, the warriors run off, right? Huge explosion. And they all run off to the, uh, the train station. It's so amazing how this movie's so much like a video game. Like, oh, yeah. And, and even to it the plays, point where yeah. the end of these scenes always like have a wipe and everything on them, you know? It's, I, I, yeah. It's cool. It's very cool. It's, it's such a video game. Well, I said that, it, you know, when people say, why is this your favorite movie of all time? I say, to me, it's the ultimate chase movie. I love chase movies. I love, there's a really fun uh, Patrick Dempsey movie called Run. It falls okay, yeah, flat movie, midway yeah. through where it like slows down. This never lets up. No. Dude. They're constantly, they have to get from A to B. That's it. Mm-hmm. And everything in between, A1, A2, A3, A4, up to A10, you know, are all these little stops along the way. But all they got to do is get home. Yeah, it's, and it's, it is a video game. It's a video game before video games. It's such a simple premise, but it's, it's so awesome. It's simple, but the dialogue is unique. You know, you don't hear, you've never, tell me one movie, you know, I always say to people, I'm like, tell me one movie where they talk like this in the movies, you know, this, in this exchange of dialogue, you know, yeah. where it, 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 it's super unique. The characters are so colorful. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, oh, it's a, com- it's, it's a marriage of everything I love, video games, comic books, and action flicks. Yeah. I mean, you're not so, wrong, dude. This there is no other movie like the Warriors Nothing out like there it. at all. Even gang movies, nope, not a single one. This is its own unique movie and genre. No, this isn't Colors. This isn't The Wanderers. This isn't um, West Side Story. You know, those are three prominent gang-type movies from three different decades, mind you. Um, it's its own shit. It's yeah. its own entity. Yeah, you know? it really is. So. From there, they, they make it to the train station. And I love this when they get on the train because everyone piles on the train running away from the orphans. And Mercy gets on and Swan hooks her. He hooks her arm like, you're with me. I fucking love that. It's it's such a subtle moment. It's like you noticing the counting of the heads. He's like, nope, you're with me, girl. And and then Vermin's like, hey, wait a minute. I got to ask a question. How come we're running? And Ajax is like, I told you, they're a bunch of wimps. And Coach he's just like, yeah, Union Station, here we come. And as, this, as the, the train door closes, Mercy says, well, what about me? And Ajax says, what about you? And Ajax is looking at Mercy like he wants to basically rape her. And Swan is looking at Mercy and then looking at Ajax like, you know, he's the heart, right? He's not a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's protecting Ajax her. Ajax is... I took, protecting her. I, I took it that, like, yeah, when he grabbed Mercy's arm, it wasn't so much like, you're with me, you're my girl. It was more like, okay, I'm going to protect you at yeah. this point, mostly mostly from Ajax, probably. Yeah, you stick with me, and you're not going to get raped. Yeah, basically. basically. From there, you cut back to the rifts. The informant's talking to Masai. We got a report from the Bronx. Some small-time click ran into them. The orphans. And Masai says, they're not, they don't, they don't run on our network. And the informant goes, they rumble anyway. They got wasted. (laughs) (laughs) And you cut back to the DJ. 
Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. We're going to have to do better out there. Our friends just made it past one of the minor league teams. Remember, boppers, be looking good. Then you cut back to Luther on a payphone at a gas station. They load up their gas. They drive off in the gas station. And it's just like, you never even paid me. What the <laughs> yeah, fuck? I, I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> so so Luther's on the phone again with this guy on the phone, who, whoever the fuck he's talking to. And he's, he goes, oh, yeah, that's going on. Right, great. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the way he talks is so fucking funny. Gets off the phone. Cropsy is with the rest of the gang. And he kind of like, <laughs> there's like some other rogue members around. And Luther just like charges through them. All like fire, piss, and vinegar. Of course. You know? all, all excited. <laughs> he throws like, he like throws himself into the rogues. It's so funny. Then Cropsy's like, well, well. And Luther's like takes his he takes his vest off and he's putting a leather jacket on. He's like some two bit outfit almost got them, but they bopped away past. <laughs> they bopped away past. Crops is like, we'll get him at the ninety sixth Street station. Luther says, platforms probably crawling with cops. Crops is like trying to rack up every gang in this town. <laughs> Luther says, yeah, you and me included. <laughs> and, Rob, and Cropsy's like, how come you happy about this? And Luther says, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, I, I and I totally buy it. I totally, like, like oh, Luther so is, you know, like like what Christopher Nolan wanted to do with the Joker and everything and, and Dark Knight and whatnot. It's just some men just want to see the world burn. Luther is having a good time with all of this chaos. Having a good time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, he's, he's oh, perfect villain. Perfect villain. Perfect villain. He's a perfect, perfect villain. Like, yeah, I, I, he is perfect because he's so, you know, the, yeah, it's the perfect level of sniveling and, and annoying, but, you know, not so annoying that it's, it's actually annoying. It's like, okay, you just want to see him get fucked up. And you know why, you know why, he, another reason why he's perfect, it's the same reason why Hans Gruber mm. is not a perfect villain in mm. my book, because you kind of like Hans Gruber. Mm. You're not supposed to like a villain. Yeah, yeah. You know, Steve Austin changed the mold in wrestling when he was, he was the villain, but he was the good guy, right? He was somewhere in the middle, the gray area. Yeah. Hans Gruber kind of became a little gray. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Uh, Mr. Joshua in Lethal Weapon. You kind of like Mr. Joshua a little bit. Of course. You kind of like, of course you like the Predator. He's not, that's why he's not a perfect villain. Because he's cool. Luther is a fucking little shit that you want to see. The villain you want to see get your ass handed yeah. to them. Yeah, period. you do. That's you a do. villain, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the villain is not somebody you go, yeah, but he's kind of good. Fucking Terminator is badass. He's not the perfect villain. The perfect villain is that guy, the, that guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Luther is definitely guy. like the, the mustache twirling sort of villain. Really. That's the villain. Yeah. The, right. Come on. Thank you. And, and he Thank does you. it. He does it perfectly. He does it perfectly. So cut back to the Warriors who are sitting on a subway train and they're waiting. And I love this. So the train has stopped. They're waiting for like the, the train to take off to go to the next exit. It's very ominous. 
very ominous because it's dead silent. De- yeah, De- dead silent. I like that. And, and of course, will be broken. The silence will be broken by very footsteps. Soon. Yeah, exactly. But it's the sound design is very good in this scene. I like it a lot. You, you really it. feel the tension through through the sound design, or or should I say, through the lack of sound. It's perfect. And, yeah. and, and your your boy Vermin is like, how much longer are we going to wait? Yeah. I love, Ver- I love Vermin. <laughs> I'm sick of waiting on trains. And Swan's like, Vermin, sit down and shut up. And Vermin's like, okay, okay, okay. Right? And so after this is happening, yeah, you're right. There's a silence. And then you start hearing these footsteps. And it's cut into different shots of the warriors. And the next thing you know, everything's empty around them. But then the cops show up right next to the window of the subway and subways filled with cops and the warriors just basically split. So from this point on Fox and mercy split in one direction, vermin Rembrandt and Cochise split in another direction. Ajax, Ajax, Swan, cowboy and snow race off in another direction. There's now three kind of separate spots that are going on. Right. And they're all running off to get away from the cops. And it's such awesome high energy. Like, oh, it's like so when intense. They, I mean, when these actors run, they are just, like, booking it. And it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But boy, oh, boy, you can tell. Like, <laughs> there's a reason that, like, none of these actors have, like, an ounce of fat on them. Because they fucking probably spent the entire, you know, three weeks filming this. They were just running constantly. Yeah. You, you, people ask, like, how do you lose weight? You fucking run <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because these guys are run. <laughs> lean, mean fight machines. Yeah. So, so this culmination, this, this scene is sadly the demise of one of our beloved characters. Right. Where, you know, um, Cochise and, and his cohorts get away. Swan and his group gets away, but Fox and Mercy are battling one cop and, and Fox off camera yells to Mercy, Run, go! And Mercy takes off, and the cop is still battling um, Fox. They wrestle to the ground. They're rolling right next to the subway, where the subway car would roll up. But uh, and and the cop throws Fox off the platform onto the subway ground, right as the subway comes in and runs him over. And you've just killed off. Another warrior. There's seven left, but this is the first time you've seen a warrior get killed. Yeah, and the only time, really. And it's sadly, it's Fox. Yeah, and but sadly, even sadder, it's not Thomas G. Waits. Um, and and he's he's open about this. Walter Hill's open about this, but they did they clashed and and essentially. Um, uh, Walter Hill said, like, I don't want this guy on my set anymore. Find a way to kill him off. The This scene was blocked out and constructed by the stunt coordinator, essentially. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the actress that played Mercy got her wrist broken during this scene right here. And this is the reason uh, she's going to have to wear a jacket for a little bit later just to cover up her one one wrist. Um, but you can knowing, you know, knowing it, you can tell that it's not Thomas G weights and i am curious like what his character arc was going to be after this it's this this death scene is very shocking and 
I kind of, and it kind of set the tone, unfortunately, because I thought moving forward that like every encounter, one warrior would be basically taken out, you know, but that's not really sort of how the, the, how it goes. And really, like you said, this is the only warrior that we actually see die on screen. Now we kind of speculate that maybe Cleon got probably got beat to death. Um, but we, you see no, no if, ands or buts Fox is dead and it sucks because I do think his presence was missed. Um, I don't think that this was intended for the character. We know that it wasn't intended for the character. So I think I think the story slightly suffers moving forward with with the absence of Thomas G. Waits. Um, but you know, but not suffering so much that it that it takes away too much from the movie overall. You know, in a in a weird way though, like if you're gonna kill off a character. That's the one to kill off. Yeah, because it's shocking. He was so pivotal. Yeah. He was so it's shocking, and it's it's definitely a gut punch, and and Fox up to that point is so memorable, and he's the only one who knows who killed Cyrus up until that point. That's true. Why that didn't get mentioned to the gang is kind of beyond me. I feel like that's a little bit of a flaw that should have been addressed. You know. Uh, but it wasn't mentioned. So so now no one knows. Mm-hmm. So we're to believe that no one knows who shot Cyrus. Right. right. Which is important, right, to the context of the movie. Yeah. I agree with you what you're saying. It it it, it would have I would have liked to have seen what have would have happened. It's a shoulda, woulda, coulda, but in a weird way, it all kind of worked out the way it, it was supposed to. It's and still, that's what Thomas says in our, in our interview with him, you know? Yeah, it Doesn't still works. Regret. It yeah. still works. It really does. And because I, you know, the, the sadly, not sadly, but sadly, two thirds of my viewings have now been with this knowledge. So, no, I take that back. Actually, two thirds of my viewings have been without the knowledge. One, one of them has been post knowledge, uh, you know, after talking about talking to Thomas G. Waits. And yeah, I, I, I think it works fine the way it is. It is a shocking moment and kind of sets the tone for there is a seriousness to this. Like we can lose our lives in this gang life, you know? Um, but I guess my only problem is that at the at later on in like the third act when they all meet up in in uh, in on Union Station, no one actually asks where Fox is. Everyone's like, "Where's Swan? Where's this person?" No one asks where Fox is, and that that I thought was a little bit of a slight. But other than that, honestly, it, it kind of works. But I would like to have known what Fox's arc was supposed to be. And also, you know, these are kids, and they they. Someone's missing. They got to cover their own ass, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. So now Fox is dead. Mercy runs off. We go back to Ajax, Swan, Snow, and Cow, Cowboy, Cow, <laughs> and they get to the they get to the like the entrance of the train station at the top floor, and uh, you know Ajax Ajax is like, where are they? We're like, where's the rest of the, you know where's the rest of the gang? And and Swan's like, well, we better maybe we better take off because they look out and who do they see on the street? But our Paint-faced, baseball-wearing, cleat-wearing, baseball-bat-carrying, baseball furies. That's Quite right. Quite possibly one of the most popular gangs of the Warriors. Yeah. But we're going to get to it very <laughs> soon. Are they, they may be popular, but they kind of suck. Yeah. I mean, honestly, every gang in this movie that's not the Warriors is kind of unimpressive, but... 
Like, when I'm watching this with my wife, you got to understand, at this point right now, I'm like, yeah, fucking baseball furies. And, you know, so, of course, she's like, oh, that they look kind of cool. You know, they're, they're oh, that's interesting. So now she's paying attention. I'm telling her, I'm like, these guys, like, the everyone loves the fucking baseball furies. You everyone know, loves the baseball furies. There's so furies. much art. Like, there's so much fan art of the baseball furies, especially the main guy, the, the yellow-faced guy. Um, and then, yeah, their, their ultimate performance though was uh <laughs> they flame out my my wife was very very unimpressed and look look i love i love the baseball furies look i love what they represent but tried and true warriors fans let's be honest they flame out really fast and get their yep. asses handed to them yeah we'll get to that in a second so yeah so Swan's like, maybe we better take off. And Ajax is like, yeah, right. And this cues up the second Barry Devorzon track, the Baseball Fury Chase, which is so fucking... And so it's not the same song not as the, same. the beginning. And I'm nope. you are much more musically inclined than I am. So I thought it was just the same song. It's actually awesome that it's a, it's a whole, it's a different song. Um, but both songs are so fucking good. And in like, they make you just want to run. Yeah. Yeah. This, I don't think honestly, uh, I've ever seen a running, a scene where care actors are running that looked more believable Yeah, because they are, they are hustling, dude. They- like you're talking major cardio action going on. I here. mean, there is no like. I'm yes, they have stunt doubles for like probably action scenes, but yeah. not for like these running scenes. Like the camera is right on them, and if if in this take right here they are hustling, you got to figure that this is like just one of like probably three takes that they're doing. Yeah. yeah, these these poor bastards that you know, even the baseball furies, the actors who are playing the baseball, all of them, they need to be carbo low all the time it's insane it is it's insane it really it, is and it's a long it's it's i think it's the second or third montage of the movie and it's a long montage of like them running uh hustling it's legit it looks hard they look like they're struggling at one point when cowboys like i can't make it anymore yeah you, yeah. you, you believe that so well because it looks hard um, in the video game, it's fun because you basically recreate the scene. It's so badass. Oh, cool! But they're the running, and and Ajax is like, "Did we lose these fucking clowns or what?" You know, they're still hustling, and and uh, Swan and Snow split from the group, which I love. They they split from the group to loop around so they're behind the baseball furies, and what ends up happening is Swan and Snow split off, and then Cowboy says, "I can't make it. I can't run anymore." And Ajax is like, you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm sure. Huh? <laughs> he's and, he's and like, a- yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and Ajax says, good. I'm sick of running from these wimps. And he stops. And at that point, at this point now, uh, Swan and Snow have taken out a, a couple Furies yeah. and gotten their bats. Yeah, like the, right? the scragglers at the end. Because there's like, there's like. Uh, there's, a, there's quite a few more baseball Furies than there are Warriors here. I want to say there's about 10 Furies and there's about, you know, four yeah. Warriors, yeah. right? Which is, those odds are not great, let's be no. honest. For, for people that have been jumped, and I'm one of those people that have been jumped, those odds are not good. So now we got Ajax is like, fuck it, I'm I'm done. And then you got your Yellow Fury, 
the the famous one with this with that grill that has been plastered on everything of that aggressive face and looks really cool. Yeah, it looks he, really cool, guys. Yeah, no, he he does a great job. It. Yeah, trust me, I love it. But Ajax looks at him because he does because that that blonde that yellow fury that Ric Flair fury does this thing with his baseball bat where he like kind of does a thing with like look what I can do with my bat. He flips it from one side to the other and he's doing a whole trick with it. And Ajax just looks at him. He goes. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. <laughs> and the guy swings at Ajax. Ajax ducks, knocks the guy in his fucking ass with one punch, grabs the bat and goes, fucking A. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, I love how Ajax was even surprised himself was how surprised. easy that was. Yeah. And I love this because it, it sets off a really kick-ass fight scene yeah. where there's very minimal music and you hear the clacking of the bats and you for those of you that know how hard a baseball bat is in like the the and it 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 looks and feels tense this whole fight scene and cowboys getting his ass handed to him snow at one point is starting to get beat but then he comes back swan kicks much ass ajax kicks much ass they take out all the furies in record time Within the, and it doesn't feel like they sped up the scene. It feels like they kicked their ass in like yeah. 30 seconds. And I feel like if this was a modern movie, Ajax would have beaten one of the Furies to death. Swan would have gone over to him and, you know, like talked him down, like kind of held him type of thing. That's what a modern movie would have done. But in this movie, they don't try to kill each other. They beat up other gang members, but they don't like, it doesn't seem like they're always actively trying to kill them. You know, well, that's, they just want to get through this, the night, but yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's, well, I guess it's, it's, it's escalation basically, you know, it's, yeah. it's escalation of gang activities going from the seventies, probably a lot of just beat ups and stuff. And then you got the eighties and nineties and just people are getting stripped, just shot basically. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I, and again, another reason why this couldn't get made nowadays because people would be resorting to guns, unfortunately, because there's way too many guns on the street. And as violent as this movie is, it's remarkable how few people actually die one in gun. it. There's one gun. Yeah, there's only one gun, and only like a handful of people actually die in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's And, you know, unfortunately, I guess when this movie came out, there was a lot of gang related fights that took place at the movies you know and and movies like this inspire certain audiences to come they attract certain audiences colors attracted a certain audience yeah i remember that stone cold i told that story i've told the story on various posts on social media the stone cold movie with um brian bosworth the biker <laughs> yeah movie, yeah yeah we talked I about love, that on, i love that movie. we talked about that on uh, i think wrap up after dark right wrap up after dark yeah, yeah. so Where, so if you want to hear that story if you want to hear that story go yeah. sign up to our patreon page guys nice job dude yeah i will save it for that one um yeah you know unfortunately this movie spawned a lot of violence let's f- fuck the typicals of the world and fuck the people that think that this stuff this stuff incites they already had it going for them. They already had that in their mind yeah. before they came to the movie theater. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, Ajax is like, shit, I figured they were wimps, right? And after they beat the shit out of all the baseball furies, done. Cuts back to the radio DJ, and she's like, latest sports news off the streets, boppers. The baseball furies dropped the ball, made an error. Our friends are on second base and trying to make it all the way home. 
but the inside word is the odds are against them. Stay tuned, boppers. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. And now, back to the show. Cut back to Union Square. Now we got Vermin, Rembrandt, and Cochise, and they're at a train station. And they're like, where is everybody? And Rembrandt's like, looks like we were the... Because fr- originally, you got to remember, they, they said meet at Union Square. Right, yeah. This will get us home. Yeah. Right? From Union Square, we'll get to Coney. That's where their switchover is. Yeah, and they're at Union Square, and it's desolate. And Rembrandt's like, looks like we're the only ones here. We'll just have to sit and wait. And then they look over and they see at the entrance, the, the, the stairway entrance up to the street, we got our Lizzie's over there, group of chicks watching them and smiling. And Vermin's like, ooh, looks like something else showed up. Cochise goes, hey, 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 now look at what you find here in the big city. And Rembrandt's like, hey, you guys, we ain't got the time. And Vermin's like, are you kidding? Time's what we got plenty of. And they walk up to the Lizzie's, and one of them, who looks like a stunt double for Gilda Radner, she just goes, hiya. <laughs> you're 100% correct, and I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> of course she, you do. She is the stunt double for Gilda Radner. <laughs> Good one, buddy. Good one. <laughs> oh, shit. Good one. So from there... We cut back to Swan, Ajax, and Cowboy, and Snow walking through the park after they've roughed, fucking wrecked house on the Furies. 
and uh, they they scope this chick sitting at a park bench. Uh, come, you know, come it's like three on. in the morning. <laughs> three in the morning, some chick reading Mercedes a, Rule. Oh, come on, reading a fucking book, Ajax. You're smarter than this. Well, you're not. You're not smarter than this. Hey, but hot hot P O A. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, sitting on a park bench. Now looking I will, all hot. I will find. I, I do find it interesting that it's at this point in the movie that both of our groups run afoul of female, like some kind of female uh, antagonist. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's interesting that it happens at the same time. Keep your focus. Yeah. Keep your focus on, keep your eyes on the prize, well, as yeah. they say, right? Yeah. A- Ajax and, uh, failed that. Ajax got his eyes on something else, on another kind of P. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I love this because they're like, hey, 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 hey. And then they walk past Mercedes Rule, who's sitting at the bench. And then Ajax goes, hey, 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 to the rest of the warriors. It's like, I guess she didn't know the park wasn't safe after dark. Swan's like, we ain't got time for this right now. Snow's like, we got to get to Union Square. And Ajax says, you guys go ahead if you want. I want to get a little exercise. And then Swan straight up is like, well, you never were very smart. And Ajax says, I'll tell you something, warlord. I'm smart enough. And it's there for free. <laughs> What's there for free? The P. And uh, and Swan looks at Cowboy and Snow, and he goes, "You two coming?" And Cowboy's like, "Come on, man!" Snowball and Snow's like, "Yeah, man. There's plenty of women back home. Like, why do you need this one?" And then, of course, the third time's a charm. Swan uh, Ajax looks at them and goes, "Maybe y'all, you just maybe all y'all just going faggot." Yep. Yep. Famous last words. <laughs> oh, dude. You crushed it, Ajax. So Ajax goes back to the lady. He's like, hey, lady. You feeling all right, lady? You need a little You need a little help or something, lady? And she goes, why don't you sit down? Keep me company. He goes, whatever you say, lady. Huh? And she's looking at him. She's like, oh, look at those muscles. I bet the chicks like all those muscles. Right? And you cut back to Snow, who's walking with swan and cowboy and he says to swan he's like hey we better go back and look out for ajax basically and cowboy says yeah he saved my ass back there i owe him and swan's like okay fine you guys go back to ajax i'll go look for the others swan goes off cowboy and snow go back to ajax come back to mercedes rule and ajax and she's like you want to show me how you play with the chicks? And, and Ajax goes, I'll show you how I I'll show you how I play. And he just wails on her, puts his hand on her chest. Yeah, puts his hand on her chest. He he grabs her he breast. Squeezes like, her just so hard. grabs it so slaps hard. Her. He slaps her. Like for those who are so inclined, James Dean, D E E N would do to people nowadays he grabbed her breast the way you and i would would shake hands with somebody but in a very aggressive like alpha manner and i just was like damn that had to have hurt for her he grabs her chest the way someone at a last call for a buffet would grab the last (laughs) hamburger sitting on a plate yeah give me that hamburger baby. give me that fucking hamburger it's the last one i'm gonna get for the night jesus christ ajax and and she's like hey not so rough come on we'll get it on and he's like oh you don't you don't get it i like it rough and he's like making out he's trying to make out with her basically raping her 
And then you hear a click, click, click. She's now handcuffed him to the park bench. And she goes, your nights are in the park or over for a while, honey. You're under arrest. And he's like, hey, lady. Come on, lady. He goes, kiss my ass. And she takes out a whistle and she blows a whistle. He's like, come on, lady. Quit playing around. You want to play around with me? Let me out of this thing. And he's like struggling with the handcuffs on the park bench. And, and he's moving the whole entire park bench. Because he's, he's so fucking beefy. He, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, when they talk about like um, an animal gets their, their foot caught in the trap, you know, and they just go crazy. Yeah. He's, it's exactly what's hey, happening. He's an animal. Yeah, he's an animal. And he's like, God damn it, let me go. You can't do this to me. Come on, you lousy bitch. Right? And at that point, the cops roll up. Your boy, Erwin Keyes. <laughs> well, I will say Ajax gets a hot, he gets a knock in. He hits, he hits yeah. one of those cops out. One, yeah, a cop car rolls up. One cop gets out. He knocks that cop on his ass. And then your boy, Erwin Keyes, rolls up and hits him with a club, billy club in the chest. And then he comes looking up with blood coming out of his mouth and he looks at the cop and he just goes, fucking wimp. From there, you see Cowboy and Snow in a distance, see the cop cars light up. They know that Ajax has been taken away by the cops. Cut back to Swan, who's now at the 96th Street station. And he's downstairs at the, at the station and Mercy rolls up. He's like looking around and she rolls up to him and he's about to hop over the um, the entrance to the subway and she rolls up and and she's like, hey, wait, there's still cops all over this place. And then she said and Swan says to her, he goes, where's the fox? And Mercy says, the cops grabbed him. And he goes, well, how come you hung around? And she goes, I don't know. And then she's wearing a jacket at this point. He's like, where'd you get the coat? And she goes, you ask a lot of questions. And he grabs her and he's like, don't give me that. She goes, I stole it. Cops are looking for somebody in a pink top. And he goes, real tough chick. She goes, all right, you said that before. Now, look, if you still want to get to Union Square, I can show you where to grab the next train. So he needs her in a way, you know. Yeah. And he goes, okay, fine, come on. And I love this because she puts the money in the, in the like, the to get on the subway to go down the stairs. And he kind of pushes, him, pushes himself with her as they're going through the conveyor kind of yeah. thing that lets you through the subway. And she's like, hey. <laughs> and they go down the stairs, and they, and they and a cop approaches them. He's walking the other direction. Do you recognize that cop? Not at all. That was Sonny Landham from Predator, Action Jackson, Billy in Predator. Really? Yes. Holy shit. And I, many and, other notable films. Uh, uh, Poltergeist as well, too. He, he's the one that hits guys. on the older daughter. <laughs> yep. Apparently um, he was an Italian stallion in a semi-softcore scene as well. But uh, Yeah, well, no, yeah, he was, wasn't he, he was a porn person. Wasn't he a porn actor as well, or was that yeah, just? Like, yeah. I think he did softcore shit. Okay, you know, okay, okay. Porn, quote-unquote, porn back in the day was like, you know, something where your wang was hanging out and suddenly you're. Okay, I did. I did not recognize Billy. That was Sonny Landham. Okay, okay. So, and that's the one he hits in the shins with the the baseball bat. Yeah. So the cop approaches. Uh, Swan's got a baseball bat in his hands. He throws the baseball bat at the cops, hits him in the fucking shins, and knocks him face planted first on the ground. And apparently, this is the scene where Mercy got hit by. I I don't know if it was just a scene they didn't use or something like it was supposed to be different because him throwing the the bat at his shins is kind of a little bit interesting maybe it was maybe they couldn't use the fight scene because she got her chin whacked but i think she got this is where she got hit by the bat well you know obviously they they do it in slow motion 
Uh, so it's sped up and, and you know, and I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna suspension of disbelief at this point. I'm gonna th- imagine that he, it happened so fast that the cop just got face planted on the ground and Billy from Predator dead. Again. I, I mean, I mean, I I think no matter what, that looked painful getting a bat thrown oh, at your shins. If, you, if you've ever hit your shin against something, you know what that feels like. No doubt, no doubt. So from there, Mercy and Swan go into the subway tunnel and they make it past, you know, they go into the area where like only construction workers are supposed yeah. to go, people who inspect the, the subway. And they run off. Cut back to Cochise, Rembrandt, and Vermin with the Lizzie's. And they're in the rain now uh, underneath umbrellas. And they get to the Lizzie's home base. They don't know they're the Lizzie's yet, by the way. Yeah. They just, they, they just think they're these chicks. Yeah, they don't know that they're a gang. They just think they're just a group of girls. Yeah. Yeah. And cut to Cochise, and he's like, hey, is this the place? Hey, I, I hate asking questions, but... Where's your dudes? Chicks like you always got dudes around. I wrote that. Too. I wrote that down. Chicks I like you that. always got dudes around. And and I love this. It's it's such a great line. Uh, one of the Lizzie says they took the night off, went up to the Bronx, and you're like, oh, okay, their boys are in a gang, right? And she goes, don't worry about them. They're lame, real cripple. And I'm like, oh, that's cool because lame means cripple. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. And. Uh, and she's like, come on. And then and then Vermin's like, when I got off the subway and I saw you, I thought, oh, baby, throw it my way. I mean, it's really great. Are you chicks taking us in like this? And Lizzie's like, we know about you warriors. Yeah, you're a heavy outfit. Sure, we know about you guys. And you're like, oh, shit. These chicks know these are not your – these chicks don't want to party. They no. want to do something else. Different kind of party. Because Vermin goes, how'd you hear about us? And she says, well, you know how it is. Word gets around. He goes – well, yeah, I guess we are pretty well known. <laughs> goes, Stupid <"Come> vermin, <laughs> fucking vermin. And then, and then they, they go inside, inside their house, inside their apartment, or whatever it is. And chicks at a jukebox, and she puts some music in, and uh, into the jukebox. If you don't know what a jukebox is, you're way too young to be listening to our <laughs> podcast. And another one, like kind of a tough looking chick, is drinking beers. And then, you know, one chick gets all up in Rembrandt's face and he and he's like push. He, he's like very dismissive of her. Like, mm, I don't want to be near you. Mm, get away from me. Well, come on, man. Rembrandt, he senses something. is. Oh, Rembrandt wrong. knows what's up. Yeah. No, he, that's what I'm saying. But his whole face is like, mm, get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, but even like, my note here was like, come on, guys, you can't smell that this is a trap. I go even even Rembrandt knows what like something's wrong. He could just sense it. And I like that. I do like that, that he's something's not right and i like that it's it's rembrandt that feels it yeah i love rembrandt i love his character i love his story arc because he 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 becomes kind of like the fox of the group in a way if you think about it he's like the heart of the group yeah and yeah he's like yeah this does not feel right to me and uh and he cut back to Cochise, who's talking one of the lizzie's he's like you know you're the first friendly face we've seen all night and the lizzie's like yeah and that's the way we are Let's party a little. Get something going. Cochise goes, yeah, sure. Hey, I could dig that. And Vermin's like, hey, you know, you came to the right guys. And he's looking at the one chick and he goes, oh, hurt me, hurt me. <laughs> and Liz is like, don't thank us, man. Just relax. Fall out. Take your pick. 
And Coach Sheets and Vermin are like scoping all the chicks in the apartment. And Vermin's like, hey, thanks. This is a great outfit. What click is this? And the one chick goes, we're the Lizzie's. <laughs> I love that. And he goes, oh, Lizzie's. Hey, great name. Just great. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Vermin's like all about just wanting to party and get down. And she goes, glad to hear it. But her way, her delivery of that line is like, we're going to fucking kill you yeah, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, you know? it's sinister. Yes. And then Cochise is like, man, we got to come to this part of town more often to, to Vermin. And Vermin's like, yeah, right. And he walks over to two chicks, and one of them's a Gilda Radner lookalike. And he, <laughs> and he goes, he just swoops her up. And uh, and then she goes like, oh, thanks a lot. Because Vermin goes, looks like you're the winner. <laughs> you get me for the night. Man, thanks the, a lot. The, this movie, the, this scene specifically, really shows how far we've come as like a society in the terms <laughs> of like hair care and skin care. It's truly amazing. Yeah, I love this because they're all they feel like they're teenagers. They yeah. got acne. Yeah, they got bad skin. They got bad hair. It feels real to yeah. me, you know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and Rembrandt comes up to them. He comes up to Cochise because Cochise is like scoping around. He's smiling. He's watching Vermin get with his chick, and he's like all happy for him, I guess. And Rembrandt's like, "How much longer are we gonna be around here?" And Cochise is like, "Hey, what's your hurry, man? We just got here." He goes, we ought to be getting back to Union Square. They're going to be worried about us. He like, does this kind of thing with his lips. Yeah, no, you he, can't see me, but I'm looking at Corey right now, making the lips like. And if you, you know, if you know what Rembrandt looks like, he does have like big succulent lips. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does have big succulent lips. And Coach, he's like, yeah, sure, man, in a minute. For breaking the action. Come on. Cut back to Swan and Mercy. And now they're in the like the catacombs, the tunnels of the subway. And they're walking. And I love this because uh, you know, when the subway when the subway train is going through the subway line, there's a red light to warn the people in the subway, look, there's a train coming. Don't go anywhere. Don't move. And when it's safe to go, it turns yellow. It goes from red to yellow. It goes from red to yellow, the lights, and the Mercy's like walking with him she goes to swan she goes hey can we stop for a minute i'm sick of this crap my legs are getting tired and swan's like just come on keep walking she's like what's your hurry you trying to set kind of some kind of world record or something huh <laughs> i just want to get home bitch <laughs> yeah i mean come on he's he's not like fucking walking for leisure and finally swan stops and uh and mercy i just wrote down she like looks at him with these like fuck me lips fuck me eyes you know it's like just take me you know, he's like, just walk. She's like, I'm walking. Jesus, why didn't you give me a break, huh? Be a little friendly. I don't even know your name. Swan goes, my name's Swan. What do you care about names so much for? And Mercy goes, I like telling my friends if there was somebody particular. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Swan goes, why didn't you just tie a mattress to your back? You don't care where it is, do you? <laughs> why did you tie a mattress to your back? And she goes, look. What do you got against me? You've been picking on me all night. And Swan goes, you want me to tell you the truth? And Mercy goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. He goes, I don't like the way you live. She goes, the way I live? He goes, yeah, I keep hoping I'm going to run into something a little better. She goes, what kind of crap is this? Who are you? You're better than me. And he goes, I guess you like the way everything's going for you, huh? And Mercy says, well, maybe I do. Friday nights are pretty good. Saturday nights are even better. 
Swan goes, I don't think you can remember who you get on Friday and Saturday nights. I don't think you can remember what they even look like. And she goes, sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. Who gives a damn? I see what's happening next door and down the block. Belly hanging down, five kids, cockroaches in the cupboard. I'll tell you what I want. I want something now. This is life I got. You know what I mean? You get a warrior? Huh? Huh? Right, and and she's I, like, I like that. I love that. I, I love like that, that dude. She, she's like, I want it now. I don't want to like wait for, you know, you know, like she, she, she could be referring to, you know, the afterlife or whatever. I don't want to like wait till later. I, this is what I have now. And I want a better life now. When you're, when you're 17 and all you see around you is filth and shit. I think about the people that live in like Crenshaw, Boyle Heights, you know, in LA. Yeah. Not too far from us in Santa Monica. And I just think about like, or I think about all the homeless people that look around and they're like, well, this is all I'm going to get. What does it matter? Yeah. Right. And I think about her and I think about that's what she's thinking, you know, and Swan and Mercy at this point, they start making out. It's really, it's really actually pretty sexy. Yeah. To be honest with you. I'm like, yeah, it's really intense. She's, she's cute, man. Like I'm looking of at her and going, she's even cute. that with a little mustache on her upper lip, you know, she's, <laughs> she's cute. So uh, Terry can talk to that point because he's like, look at the mustache on her. Anyways, <laughs> they make out for a second and she sits back and she's like, how do you like it? Because she knows she's good at making yeah, out. Yeah, of course she is. Some people are good at making out. Hey, some people are not. I'm good at it. We've all had good kissers <laughs> and we've all had bad kissers. I'm not a bad one. <laughs> nope, neither am I. I'm not going to lie. How late are we bro- uh, recording into the night? <laughs> hey, buddy. This is podcasting after dark, after baby. dark, baby. Ooh, we said that at the same time. <laughs> Ching. So after that, I love this because they make out for a second. And she's like, how do you like it? I also love up. I also love how Mercy eh, grows about, I don't know, a half a foot during this makeout scene. Because you can tell when they're walking and then when they do the shot for them to kiss. I was like, oh, they have her up on an apple box. I can tell. Hey, you know, you know, um, uneven ground. Yeah, it's uneven yeah ground. of course. So, yes, she, she was standing on like a little hill. So they, 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 they back off for a minute, and then they start making out. I love this because the train goes by, and there's really cool lighting, the way it's shot. It's beautifully shot. It is. And then he pulls away from her, like, really aggressively. And she's like, come on, what's wrong? He's like, look, let's just get to the next station, okay? Let's, <laughs> let's stay focused. And she's like, no, please, come on, <laughs> come on. I love this because he goes, you know, you're just part of everything that's happening tonight, and it's all bad. Why don't you just go back to wherever you came from? And right after he says that to her, she looks like she's about to like start bawling, crying. Yeah. Like he's just kicked her in the crotch. That's how humiliating it is. Swan walks off down the tunnel. She looks like she's going to cry, crawl up in a ball and die. And you cut back to the Lizzie's spot and they put a quarter in the jukebox, start playing the song. Love is a fire. Ooh. Love is a fire. And there's these two Lizzie's that are dancing with each other. And you're oh, like, yeah. wait a minute. You know, this is 1979. We were not super hip to like kind of lesbian and gay stuff on screen. So we're getting the sense that the Lizzie's, the Lizzie's, the mm, Lizzie's, this yeah. is kind of like a little bit of, okay, they're a little too into each other. And Vermin and Cochise are making out with their chicks. And Rembrandt's walking around, 
He knows like something's very wrong. skeptical. Yeah. Like, what well, this is fucking weird, man. Like something's going on here because everybody's kind of ignoring everybody, like the warriors. It just feels like there's a tension building, right? And then one chick approaches Rembrandt and goes, hey, little man, you want to dance? <laughs> <laughs> and Rembrandt just like looks at her all pissy and walks away from her. And uh, Vermin's making out with Gilda Radner, double. And she goes, be right back with you, babe. And he kind of just rolls back. Richie Sambora, Pete DeLuise. Like, oh, this is the best night of my life. This is the life, baby. Right? And right after that happens, a Lizzie bolts the door. And the Lizzies are all looking around at each other. And then one of the Lizzies says, so you're the famous warriors, huh? The guys who shot Cyrus? And suddenly, Cochise, who's making out with a chick, she pops a switchblade right by his face. Right by his His head. eyes bolt up like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zoinks. <laughs> and then Rembrandt yells out, shit, the chicks are back. The chicks are back. And they start shooting at the warriors. And they just bolt towards the door. And I love this because they're just knock. Like Rembrandt gets slashed by a knife right yeah. away. And he's like, ow. And Vermin fucking knocks one of the Lizzie's out yeah. in the face. Cochise like, knocks look, a, it's kill or be killed. Yeah, I know. He straight up cold cocks her right in the face. Fucking Cochise, Cochise breaks, grabs a chair. chair, breaks it over some chick's head. It's crazy. But I will say this. The Lizzie's suck ass just as much as the fucking Baseball Furies because they had the Warriors dead to rights and they had a fucking gun and they couldn't even just even get one of them. No, they, 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 they fired off one, maybe two shots most. The Warriors break through the door that is like the entrance to their apartment or whatever it is. They're flat. And um, they run off. And the, the Lizzie's don't run after them. They're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, they got to repair a door now. Yeah. Cochise, Rembrandt, Vermin run down the street. They stop in an alleyway. And Rembrandt's like, oh, I love this because uh, Rembrandt's got a little bandana around his neck. Cochise takes it off and wraps it around his cut arm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that he cares. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're boys. They're all together. They're ultimately like, and I like that when like in when you're in a gang like that. Yes, they can pick on each other, but if one of them actually gets hurt or whatever, they're all there for that person. Yeah, yeah, and and Cochise is like, look, look, man, we got to hold ourselves together. We got to. He goes, see, if if we go to pieces, someone's going to get us. And Rembrandt goes, they think we shot Cyrus. And Vermin's like, what what are you talking about? I don't get it. Rembrandt says, they think we shot Cyrus. Every gang, and this is the dawning. Yeah, this is where they figured out. Must be looking for us. Yeah. And Cochise is like, holy shit. And Rembrandt goes, we're not going to be able to make it back. And I love this because this speaks to what you said about Vermin getting written off, but obviously they didn't kill his character off. He goes, we're going to make it back. We came this far, and we're going to get to the rest of the way. Now let's get to Union Square, okay? we got to tell the rest of the guys. From there, they run off, take off to Union Square. Scene cuts back to Swan, walking around Union Square. He's all by himself, and he's being followed by a dude on roller skates, the leader of the punks. And oh, while that's silly, the punks. Oh, okay. So that's the punks. That, the, so the, I called them the overalls gang because they're all wearing overalls. <laughs> and uh, The so, apple dumpling gang. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Okay, so that's the punks, which means 
the director of um, uh, I Come in Peace was one of them in there. And the only thing sense. I got to say, this one this one that's kind of trailing Swan, when Swan yes. walks down that, that little dip, you know, that little decline, and then the, you know, the guy goes behind him, he kind of goes down nicely left and right, left and right. If that was me, because I don't roller skate, I would have just gone straight down, screaming as I'm going straight down with my as my wheels are you know gaining speed you know <laughs> fire smoke shooting out of them so there there's a there's a roller rink in venice um that a friend of mine had a birthday party years ago at and she's like i'll bring Kristen. you know you and Kristen come roller skating it's gonna be a 70s disco night or whatever we go to the, i i i never roller skated in my entire life i've done a handful of times and i suck every time i get there there's it, it's where they filmed Roll Bounce, which okay. is that roller skate movie. There's fucking it, it, it's first of all, it's it's soul music night, soul gospel music night. <laughs> and every person on that rink is like doing circles. Yeah. Doing tricks like professionals. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> I get on the rink. I fall flat on my ass. The, the minute I go on the rink. I was wearing glasses at the time. My glasses were rolled over and crushed. Uh, Kristen's like, you don't have to do this if you don't want. I'm like, no, I'm okay. We just started oh, I dating. Like, oh, okay. I'm drenched in sweat because I'm trying to keep my balance. Hey, I shit you not. A kid who looked like she was seven years old comes up and says, I'll help you. And she starts re- rolling me around the rink. Fucking... I'm like, I look like a tool bag right now. This little kid. I go, thank you. You know? Meanwhile, Kristen, who I just started dating at the time, this dude rolls up on her. He's like, hey, I'll take you around the rink. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Oh, oh, as you're being led around by like a seven-year-old, you're like, no, Humiliating, bro. So I see these punks and I'm like, that guy's fucking cool with his overalls and his roll. I want to roll like that dude. Anyways... Back to Swan, yeah, walking through the underground, desolate, empty Union Square subway line, being followed by a punk. Uh, he gets to basically the where the where the subway is going to pick them up. Uh, cuts to Cochise, Rembrandt, and Vermin getting to Union Square. At the same time, so does Cowboy and Snow. They all see each other. Don't ask where Fox is. They don't ask where Fox is. Swan did, you know, so that I guess that takes care of that. And uh, Vermin, Cochise, Rembrandt, Snow, and 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 Cowboy all are like, we got to go looking for Swan. Oh, they're like, hey, what about what happened about Ajax? And and they're like, oh, the cops got him. And they're like, oh, I bet he went out swinging. That's what Vermin said. And he did, which is cool. He did, yeah, literally. And uh, Snow Snow is like, we better go look for Swan. And they they all go walk off. At that point. Swan is like waiting at this at the near the bathrooms, which is also where the subway picks them up. The train picks them up and Mercy rolls up on him and she sees the punks watching Swan because at this point now it's not just the roller skating punk, but it's a couple other punks watching him. And and they conveniently line up from shortest to tallest. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the way it is, I guess, in 1979. And, uh, and Mercy's like, she walks up to Swan. She goes, I need to talk to you. You see that dude over there with the skates? Over there. He's after you. And Swan goes, I know they're on my ass. <laughs> and I love this because he goes, and now they know I know it's. 
Because he's got like a lisp when yeah. he says it. Yeah. He's like, and but now I know they know it. I'm like, why did he lisp that? Why does he <laughs> talk like a 1940s guy? And she goes, well, what, do you, what the hell are you going to do? And right after she says that, the rest of our warriors show up, right? This is, the, this is them coming back together. This is this, in my opinion, is such a kick-ass scene coming up. It's so yeah. fucking badass. It is. It and, is. And so he kind of nods over to the warriors, you know, tell, coaches, telling them to clock snow. these guys behind us. Yeah. Yeah. He tells clocks them to go head off to the bathroom that's nearby. They go to the men's bathroom. They all go in, and Swan walks with Mercy. He's like, "Come on into the men, men's bathroom," and she's like. Oh, so he, he's like, come on. She goes, you should change your mind fast. He goes, well, I was kind of rough on you back there. And she goes, well, listen, I can take care of myself. He's like, yeah, sure, come on. And they walk over to the bathroom, and they all go in. And she goes, wait a minute, I'm not going in there. That's a men's room. And then Vermin pops out of nowhere. He goes, are you kidding? And yanks her in. I love that. I, and it's, it's not, I love it, too. And, and she says, I can't go in there. It's the men's room, which which I, I you have to specify because yeah. it's hilarious. Because it's it's not, there's no force field there. It's just a social norm. And she's like, I can't go in there. That's the men's bathroom. A nice little piece of comedy right before a very intense fight scene about to come up. That spoke so intensely to me that I was dating a girl back in like 2000. No, in 1994. And I was at, I, I, I was into her and she went, she was a Baptist. So I went to her church. I went to her Bible study. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm down with this. See how far uh, it'll we've, get me. We've, we've all gone, there. we've all gone to church and Bible study for a girl. We've all <laughs> done that before. And I remember being at a Sunday school thing with her, and uh, and I had to go to the bathroom, and there was a line, men's line in the bathroom. Of course, there was a men's line in the bathroom at Sunday school, you know. And the, the women's bathroom was empty. And I'm like, shit, I'm going in there. And she's like, you can't go in there. We're at a church. It's a women's bathroom. I'm like, I don't care. I go it's, in and took a piss. Yeah, it's all I pipes. Who cares? God's going to just <laughs> judge me? Yeah. Who gives a, said, first of all, who gives a shit, you know? Yeah. Anyways. Back to uh, <laughs> back to the bathroom. I love this. I fucking love this scene. So now, this is the way it's set up. The, the The warriors hide in all the bathroom stalls in the bathroom. The roller rink fucking punk, leader of the punks, rolls in, check in the different stalls. To, and you can't see you their see, feet. You can't see their feet underneath. Can't see their so feet. The, all of them are hiding their feet. Yep, and then you see little Converse step down on one of the doors, opens up, the leader of the punks opens it up, and it's Rembrandt with Mercy. He spray paints the leader of the punks in the face with his spray can, kind of blocks it, and then the fight is on. Yeah, they all bust because they all bust out their their doors because there's a a punk at almost every door, so when they bust through, they're all fighting somebody. And it is a kick-ass fight scene. It's good. It's really good. And what I love about it, it feels so raw because at one point... Like, uh, like Mercy's yelling, like, get him, get him, kill the bastard. And she bites one of them, like, she, she bites, bites a one punk guy on, on the shoulder. And, and fucking vermin gets thrown against the, the mirrors and landing on the fucking, uh, uh on sinks sink? and shit. Yeah, it looks, you know, that, that looks fucking painful. One guy jumps up and, like, Snow catches him and throws him yeah. to the ground. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a really cool, like, karate move type of thing. 
Yeah, and 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 before Snow ha- before Swan has his final kind of swan song move at the end to finish the scene off. Yeah. Uh Snow throws a guy into a bathroom stall as well. Yeah. Like fucking bathroom stalls on the ground. This is brutal shit. We're not talking about like breakaway fiberglass. This is intense wood and and concrete and ceramic shit. Yeah. And it isn't it like they are having a brutal fight in this bathroom and then it kind of culminates with Swan, a guy charging Swan, Swan picks him up and like throws him into the bathroom stall. It's really he cool. He goes into the toilet in slow motion. It's so badass. Yeah. And that they finish off the punks. Probably actually that is the last intense fight scene of this movie yeah and and i'd say the punks probably gave them the the biggest fight of the film oh by far yeah because they're fucked up at this point like swan swan they're the all gash on damaged. his face and everything the big yeah. gash on his face yeah. from there you cut to a scrawny white boy with the worst fake tattoos i've ever seen in my entire life yeah on his body yeah like he's, he basically went to the the um, you know, the grocery store they got the you put the quarter in, you get the fake tattoos for yeah. like twenty five cents. He looks like the back of a comic book when they show you what it looks like when you apply all of the fake tattoos to your body. Yes. That's what he looks like. Yeah, he looks like you took silly putty, and you took the yeah. You, you, you put the funny, you put the silly putty on the funnies in the Sunday morning papers, and you peel it back, and he's got those on his body. He's got like some weird eagle tattoo. Yeah, yeah. He looks ridiculous. Anyways, it doesn't matter because he walks up on the riffs. One little white dude with basically the riff, all black members of the riff. And uh, Masai says to his informant, you know, what about the patrols? And the informant says, so far nothing. But we've got somebody who you want to talk to. He says he knows who shot Cyrus. And it cuts to this guy with his lame ass like you said fake tattoo on his chest cuts back to subway where now all the warriors are on the train back getting back to coney they've almost made it they're so close yeah and they look beat to shit they They look exhausted they look exhausted they look legit exhausted so real man yeah it looks so authentic you you can feel it you i mean you can feel like vermin just you can feel the release on their bodies as they're sitting there and especially when like swan and mercy are sitting there it's just you can tell just swan's just dead inside just energy is sapped dead and and vermin's like big cyrus he was going to run the whole city what a bunch of crap that was. And then Cochise says, Cyrus was right about one thing. It's all out there. All we got to do is just figure out a way to steal it. I love that line. And then, and then Snow says, sounds great. All we got to do is figure out what's worth stealing. And that's such a fucking heady statement right there. Yeah, like dude. That tells you right there that, that Snow is keyed in on the bigger picture of life. You know what I mean? Like, not yeah. just, like, going out and getting what you want. He's like, yeah, I, I like that. It was It's a subtle thing, but it kind of gives Snow, like, this, like, thicker you know, persona where he, he just, he's a little bit more wise than, than maybe Cochise is, you know? Yeah. He, and, and I feel like he is like Cochise. I don't feel like snow would have got cut up with the Lizzie's. Right. No, I know? don't think so either. I think that was specifically Cochise and vermin. Yeah. So at that point, pretty much all the warriors are asleep. Cowboys 
asleep on the on the on the subway train with his baseball bat between his legs, like yeah. holding it like a teddy bear. And then uh, these this prom these two prom couples get on the train, looking like they just jumped out of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> One of them looks like Dan Shore. Yo, for sure, with his fucking dimple chin. And they're getting all, they're all excited because they just got back from the prom or whatever. And I love, I love this scene. It's one of, again, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I loved it the first time I saw it. I loved it. I love it every time I see it. It, There's no dialogue, but so much is said in this scene. So much is said. So the prom couple sits down, the prom couples sit down directly across from Swan and Mercy. They're like laughing all happy, and then they realize that they're looking across at Swan and Mercy, who look tore up from the floor up. <laughs> they're looking down at their feet. They're dirty. They're like, you know, uh, Mercy's toes are exposed on her shoes, and, and they just look all dirt. shitty. Yeah, and then they both have and that grimy, and they both have that thousand yard stare. You know, like they, yeah. like they've just seen some shit. And Mercy at this point is looking at them. And she's about to adjust her hair like you do when you feel self-conscious. Yes, yes, like, yes. Like, oh, I better pretty myself yes. up. And Swan grabs her arm right before she's about to move her hair back. And he pulls it down like, fuck no. We are not better. They are not better than us. Yes, we do. you do not need to, to change your appearance for them. You yep, be you. Fucks. You be you. Let them, you know. And it, it wasn't it wasn't terribly aggressive to them. It was more like... We are us. They are them. And and do not like do not think that they're better than us. I love this scene, dude. I fucking loved it. Every time I watched it, I was like, this is so deep. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, because, you know, the the prom couples like they keep staring at him. In this kind of weird, like judgmental kind of like not judgmental, but just kind of like I didn't like stop staring at us. I you know, know like, but I don't. I didn't make them as bad. Like they were just. I, I didn't kind make of, them as bad. I didn't make them as bad either. But either, but I. But I'm sure. But Swan they were judging. They, they like, were judging. I, I. You know, they were judging on the inside, of course. Yeah, and I'm sure judging. Uh, I'm sure in his in his mind, Swan was like, "They're not better than us." Mm-hmm. You know, we're all the same. We're all human. Yeah. You know, and to be honest with you, dude, like slight deviation and i know i mentioned this off the air with you and just watch this uh documentary the the octopus teacher you know and the point that's made in this documentary is we're all living in this world we're all living creatures man like we all we all exist we all matter we all matter yeah and not to get too deep and philosophical but that's so important yeah you know especially in today's age like I don't care whether you are the king of the mountain or whether you are on the street. Like we all matter. And, and we're all the same too. That's the thing. We're all, we're all living creatures. Yeah. And the, the narrator, the, 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 the guy who does this documentary, dude, I, I got many times in this thing. I got so emotional about it. Cause it's like, yeah. Like at the end of the day, a fucking cockroach is the same as a human being. Yeah. Like we're like, let's break it down. It's just a living being. Right. We all serve a purpose. So this moment in the scene is so prophetic because it's like, you know, I don't care who these, these prom, they, they may be Joe Schmo and like, they may be all good, but like Swan and mercy come from nothing, you know, doesn't make them any less though. Yeah. No. Than these people. And it's and, really and, intense. And it's great because, 
They don't say any of it. We literally no. infer everything that we just said is all inferred from their acting and specifically from Mercy trying to like correct, like, you know, demess her hair. She kind of does, you know, is about to do like brush it away from her face to yeah. kind of like sort of like it's very instinctual. It's it's she's I don't even think she's thinking that she's doing it, but she's looking at these like, you know, these these kids that are clearly have money and everything and she, you know, it's just a it's just a human reaction. But I love that Swan doesn't even look at her. He doesn't break contact with them. He's nope. looking right at them the whole time, but he grabs her hand and stops her from doing it. And then I love the fact that she closes her eyes and then the next stop the kids like sort of like you know get yeah. off there you can train tell stops. the train stops and you can tell they're kind of like hey hey let's let's just get off on this because you know they can tell that they're you know they're uncomfortable they, they're uncomfortable understandably it's fine so. it's fine no big deal and then it's yeah. it's i loved it like mercy opens her eyes and they're gone and it's kind of like that's her wish like her her wish was that like you know that yeah. and it came true and and swan in a weird way sort of made that happen i guess i their relationship is is interesting that it's very very interesting and you, you don't pick up on a lot of this stuff in until multiple viewings this movie demands multiple viewings as simple as this story is it's very deep and layered agreed totally agreed and and when they do get off the subway uh one of the one of the prom girls drops her corsage on the ground and which is very subtle at first and you're right like she opens her eyes and they're gone and and the the train stops at Coney Island. They've made it to Coney. They've in they've the, in the morning. They've made it to Coney. So yeah, it's now the morning time, and it. I don't know why. You know, tons of movies have come out that. No, actually, no. I can't think of too many movies that have taken place over the course of one day, yeah. one night, and and here we are. The dusk. It looks like they they've been up all night. Yeah. It's so realistic looking. They look tired as shit. The dark circles under their eyes. It does look like we've all been there. A long night of partying. We look in the mirror and we're like, God damn, that was a long night. And it looks like that. And I like that trope. I I like movies that take one night. You know, me I too. like movies oh, that, that that take place in like one location or something. I like these simple simple idea movies because they allow you to they give you the freedom to do all this character examination and everything and uh uh, you know and by simple i mean like like plot points it's like you said earlier it's just point a to point b and but i love this shit man because when they get there you feel the relief that they feel you feel like you've been through the journey that they feel and I mean, I don't know if it was by design or happenstance or what, but like you know, the fact that they film it on a on a foggy day and it's dreary oh, it and d- just it looks so perfect, yeah, dude. And, and the, it's the, just it, the dawn. Yeah, and but Swan's like, we fought our like our whole way to get like we fought our way back for this. Like, I, I like that he's like looking at Coney Island, like you know, it, it was his home and everything. But after everything he's experienced. He's like looking at it now like damn like like I'm not saying it's not worth it but at the same time it's like well shit like if I can do all of this maybe I can maybe I'm I'm better than than being in Coney Island. Well well right right before that happens you know they get off the train and the corsage that had fallen on the ground he mm, gives to Mercy yeah. 
And she's like, well, what's this for? And he's like, he just, he's so cool. You know, he's like, I just see, I just hate seeing anything go to waste. You know, like he doesn't want to admit to her that he's giving it to her because he likes her. Yeah. But let's be honest. That's why he's giving it to her. And then, yeah, he looks around at the dilapidated homes and the, the rundown. Like, Coney is not just the wonder wheel and the rides and the boardwalk. It's 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 shitty apartment buildings. Yeah. And he's like, this is what we fought all our night, fought all night to get back to. He goes, maybe I'll just take off. And she's like, well, well, you know, I like traveling, too. And he goes, well, where have you been? <laughs> she's like, I've never been anywhere. I just know I'd like it. I love that, though. You know, she's like, yeah. I just... I just want to go. Can I just go with you? And, and he goes, come on, let's go. And I love the fact that this movie started with the Wonder Wheel at night all lit up and everything. And now it ends with a shot of it during the day. And it doesn't yep. look as exciting. It doesn't look as 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 luxurious or, or whatever. But like it's just, you know, in the cold light of day, it's 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 very interesting. The juxtaposition of the it's beginning big- versus the end of it. It really is. Because because really this is supposed to be the paradise and everything, but in reality, like it's your home. Like you're supposed to be excited to be home, but in reality, well, shit, your home is also a piece of shit too. <laughs> and it is a piece of shit. Like it's run down. Yeah, you know where where are they gonna get? They can't live. They're not living at. They're not living at Coney Island. They're not, they're not living at Santa Monica Pier. They're right. probably living in a shitty one bedroom studio apartment. You know, with with. Four, eight people yeah, in place. They're, they're living in a fucking crash pad, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. And at this point, too, like, you also got to figure, like, a whole night, just 12 hours ago, there was the promise of of them running the city, you know? And now, and now it's, it's all like, gone. yeah, now it's like, oh, we're back to this bullshit. Now we're just back to covering our turf. And it's interesting because you could have, like, Walter Hill could have, like, created this this false coney island this this like you know exaggerated made them excited about being home but i mean shit the first thing swan does is like he looks out and he's like fuck like this is what we fought to get back to like that's 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 interesting it's it's a very interesting take on it and not only that now that they're they're back home and they're walking through the deserted coney island park because it's you know, five in the morning or four in the morning. <laughs> Coney Island <laughs> Park with like a burnt down fucking business. I mean, I hope Which, that Coney Island is better now. I don't know. <laughs> we were honestly, my my wife and I were supposed to visit New York uh, in 2020. We were supposed to do a trip to go see my mom in Maryland, go have a crab feast in Maryland. We were going to go take the train up to New York and spend the night and uh, go like see the Ghostbusters firehouse and all this kind of shit. Cause you know, uh, uh, my wife, Myra, she's born and raised in LA she'd never been to New York before so we were going to do all that kind of shit and uh probably would have wound up at Coney Island and check that out or something but yeah like I'm curious as to what it looks like now or and by now I mean you know probably up until COVID you know who the hell knows what's going to look like post but like I was curious like did they did they fix Coney Island back up is is it a tourist spot now well 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 Terry and I were supposed to go to Coney Island in like 2019 because they were going to do a uh, Warriors 40th anniversary at Coney with the whole cast screenings, bada, 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 bada. We had talked about going. We never obviously did. Uh, but it turns out the whole thing was a bust. Mm. Like they, they didn't have proper booths for the actors to set up their stuff to sell their merch. It ended up being a huge, oh shit, like big debacle okay. apparently, which is really sad. And I don't think Coney, you know, 
Coney is like as good as Santa Cruz Boardwalk or Santa Monica Pier. It's like it's got people coming and going, but it just doesn't have the same vibe. It's 40 years ago, you know. It's not it's not the same anymore. Yeah. The, the nostalgia stays alive and well on screen, but in reality, it's sad, you know, which is really a bummer. Um, I mean, I want to go to Coney someday. I want to ride the Wonder Wheel. Just yeah, want to relive it. Me too. Yeah. I'll go there with you. Whatever. And yeah, we'll, we will definitely do it. And we'll go see our boy Thomas Waits. There you go. Uh, on the way. <laughs> but on the way that the Warriors get there, um, they're being trailed by the Rogues, which is it's a beautiful shot as the Warriors are walking down the boardwalk and the Rogues are behind them. And they know they're on their ass. And it cuts to Luther, who's like, stay right on their ass. And they go, the warriors run and go under a pier and they're watching the rogues from afar and Swan's like, you know, wait a couple of seconds, then we'll cut out the other way. And he says at the mercy, like basically just get out of here so you don't get hurt. And she's like, why can't I stay with you? He's like, just do what I tell you. And she's like, come on, I can take care of myself. And he's like, come on, fine. Like he takes her with him. And at that point, the warriors arm themselves they yeah. they they grab a they grab a uh, a bar off the roof. Yeah, Cochise like rips a a pipe off the ceiling. Or pipe something. off the yeah. ceiling. They break a table and like an arm of that or something like that. And uh, you know, Mercy breaks a beer bottle. She's got her beer bottle, and uh, I love that they like they arm up right. Cut back to and of course this is one of the most famous scenes outside of Can You Dig It. Cuts to Luther in the Rogues car. Apparently this was improvised like he had not intended to do this. But at the last minute, he had grabbed beer bottles and he put them on his fingers and started clanking them together. It's something that I think apparently like uh, a neighbor of his did. But it was it was a very aggressive. And I think he was like kind of freaked out by it. So, you know, okay, it was was an intense thing that his neighbor did. Well, it's funny because because it gets gradually more intense. Yeah, he's like warriors. Of course, you know, everyone knows come out to play a warriors and his face is getting I, I, more fucking red and warriors come out to play Be, because he's like he's he's not taking a breath the actor no, himself like breath. his eyes are getting watery his face is red it's intense like it's so good it's so yeah. good there is a reason that this is iconic there is a reason that everyone does this so you know, I'm watching this and I know it like and I've seen T-shirts and I've seen yeah, people. I've heard people say it. I've heard references. I've heard you say it. I, I know it. But like actually watching it and, and hearing it like it's fucking awesome. And that's I mean, you don't just like things like things don't become iconic because they're they're stupid and boring. They become iconic because they're fucking awesome. And there's yeah. a reason this scene is as iconic as it is because the energy that's in it that David Patrick Kelly brings to it is fucking amazing. It's amazing. And and it keeps on going and going and going. And it cuts back to the warriors' faces and you hear him scream <laughs> You know, and you just like at that moment or many moments in this film, you just go, I just want to see this guy yeah. get his ass handed to him. This little bitch, this you little, know, this little bitch, bitch. got to have his comeuppance. Right. This and little so big headed bitch. Swan looks at everybody. He's like, he's not. They're not intimidated. They're just no. more like, let's do this. 
they're on their turf now, so. And Swan looks at everybody and goes, you ready? And they go, all right, yeah, we're ready. And he goes, okay, all of you stay behind me. I'm going to take him out to the, I'm going to take him out to the sand. And Snow says, what about you? You ready? And that's when Swan pulls out a switchblade and he goes, let's do this. Right, let's let's do it, right? So the warriors go out to the beach. Uh, the rogues follow them. And they get out to the beach. The war, There's seven of the warriors, right? Two of them. No, sorry, six of the warriors because Cochise, sorry, um, uh, Ajax, Cleon, and Fox have all been taken out. Yep. Right? So there's only six left. And there's probably like ten rogues, I'd yeah. say, roughly. And they surround the warriors and Swan's smiling. He's got a smile on his face. And and Swan says, when we see the ocean, we figure we're home. We're safe. And Luther's, you know, got his BDE, big dick energy. And he goes, well, this time you got it wrong. And Swan goes, why'd you do it? Why'd you waste Cyrus? And Luther says, no reason. I just like doing things like that. <laughs> and he laughs. And then Swan looks at him by like kind of laughing back. And Swan goes, let's do it, me and you. And Luther goes, one-on-one? You're crazy. And he pulls his gun out. He goes, you're dead, all of you, and you know it. You're dead. And he goes to shoot Swan, and he pulls the trigger, and Mercy yells out, Swan! At the same time as Luther shoots, Swan throws his switchblade right at Luther, and it lands in Luther's arm, and Luther goes, Right after that happens, he lets out this fucking whimpering little bitch whimper, like, <laughs> and then you hear, you see the riffs all at the top of the hill of the beach. And Messiah yells out, Riffs! And all the riffs go, Yeah, right! And they all march down to the beach. We're talking like 50 to 60 soldiers, right? Surrounding the warriors, surrounding the rogues. Swan looks straight at Messiah and he goes, you still looking for us? And Messiah says, we found who we're looking for. And he looks over at Luther. And Luther goes, no, no, it wasn't us. It was them, the warriors. And Messiah says, you warriors are good, real good. And Swan just goes, the best. And Messiah, Messiah says, the rest is ours. The warriors that the rogues open up their like river of army of no, people. The 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 Gramercy Rifts. Sorry, uh, Messiah the kind of does his arm like moves his arm to the parts side the and sea. yeah, it parts the sea. Yeah, and then lets the warriors march off. And Luther's like, Luther's like whimpering as Cropsy's holding him. He's like, <laughs> and as the cra- as as the rifts let the warriors go, they come around and surround the rogues again and you hear Luther just yell out this <laughs> cuts to the DJ who goes good news boppers the big alert has been called off turns out that the early reports were wrong all wrong now for that group out there that had such a hard time getting home Sorry about that. <laughs> I guess the only thing we can do is play you a song. 
Cue In the City by Joe Walsh, so which is good. a cover of the original Eagles version, which is on the long run, but it's the, the edited version for the movie. Somewhere out on that horizon. So it's good. so badass. So fucking good. Swan looks at Mercy. They kind of like, she smiles. He's kind of has this pensive look on his eye, but then they're holding hands down the beach. You know, Cochise is running on the beach uh, with Vermin and Cowboy. Rembrandt and Snow are walking together. They're, and, and I love this because the music, you know, in the city, ah, ah, kind of cues off the rest of the movie. And they're walking down the beach as the credits are playing. And the credits play and the scene and the camera stays on them the, almost the entire time they make it down to the beach it's not until the very end of the credits when they kind of freeze frame and and that's when the movie closes out yeah and that is the warriors ha <laughs> <laughs> oh and so that's it i wanted to say during the climax the biggest problem i have with this entire movie was when when Luther shoots his gun, fucking Rembrandt is standing right behind Swan. Swan does a little sidestep, you know, to kind of dodge the bullet. And all I wish is that it was the shot was blocked differently because the way the shot is set up, Rembrandt would have taken that shot right to the chest, essentially. And, you know, like, I'm not going to lie to you. There were times during like the fight with the baseball furies where, you know, like you see in the background, like one fury sort of standing there waiting for his cue in here. And I'm like, I let all of that shit pass. But at the end, I'm like, I just wish all I wish was that Rembrandt wasn't standing directly behind Swan. Really? That's all I asked for. It was, I want, I let everything else go. All the other problems with the movie go because I know that this movie was shot in like a guerrilla fashion. I respect the movie for what it did. I have no problem with little wonky things here and there. That is literally the only problem I had is that that bullet would have just, I mean, it just, you could just tell by the shot. It would have just landed right in Rembrandt's chest. And that's the only problem I have with this movie. I think this movie's a lot of fun. Um, I, I will say this at the very top. I don't love it, and and I wanted to like that's the thing like it, it's it's I, I don't love it the way like I say I I I loved Prince of Darkness or something. Um, it's just probably it's not my genre, but I absolutely understand why you love it. I absolutely understand why everybody else loves it. I absolutely understand why it's important. I absolutely understand why it's awesome. And and me saying I don't love it doesn't mean I don't fucking really enjoy it i just it's like one notch below love you know what i mean like just yeah, yeah. just one notch that's it it's just and i have no nostalgic uh, 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 uh connection to this movie whatsoever but what they're able to pull off with this film is amazing i love the story i do love the characters i really really do enjoy a lot of aspects of this movie i think main the the what is probably knocking it down just that nano notch is that it's just this isn't my genre kind of thing but 
I get it. I get why the Warriors is important. And I had so much fun going through it. I had so much fun looking at this movie and just kind of like, and seeing what you like about it and everything. And I also had so much fun being impressed by what they were able to pull off with like this guerrilla style filmmaking of of this, uh, like the enclave shot of all these like gangs and everything is unbelievable there's no cgi those are all actors that those shots are fantastic and this isn't a hundred million dollar movie that's what's impressive about it so i guess what i gotta say is while i don't love it i very very much extremely enjoy it and I am very impressed by it as a movie, like as like as a as a film. I'm impressed by what the end result is, and like I can't even believe that this movie could even exist, knowing knowing like how hard it was to to, to shoot it. Like the fact that we even have this movie is just like. Like if we're if this is the only timeline in, in all the timelines that has the Warriors, like if we're the only timeline, the one that has Trump insurrecting the country is also the one that has the Warriors. I will take this timeline because the Warriors is absolutely a necessary part of American cinema. Absolutely fucking necessary and i mean i can i can praise this movie without loving it i truly can and this movie is absolutely impressive this movie is absolutely enjoyable even in like again you are listening to someone who pretty much has only seen it in the last five years so like it holds up and my wife said it was fun too. Like it's, it's a fun movie i had so much fun with it if it was you know what here's the funny thing is if the movie was 100% exactly the same, but it took place in like a post-apocalyptic world or like a sci-fi universe, I would love it. It's just, you know, it's just like New York gang movie is just not my thing, but well, I love it as high as it can possibly go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I was going to say, you know, it, as it's, as it's pure base, I love underdog movies. That's probably my favorite genre whether it's Rocky, whether it's Karate Kid, you know, the Warriors falls into that where it's it's us versus them. It's the little guy versus the big guy. And I think that's why it works for me, and I think that's why it's always worked for me. I've always viewed myself as the underdog mm-hmm. having to climb up to achieve. Whether that's true or not, whether I've painted that in my own fantasy mind, it's neither here nor there. But the underdog wins in the end and the warriors win in the end it's a happy ending yeah it's not a downbeat um you know well this is real life and everybody dies in real life it's like no i go to a movie to escape i want to i want to be i don't want to be reminded overall of the horrors of the world and how bad this world is i want to see against insurmountable odds the guy win yeah, if this was sci-fi, maybe you would have liked it even more. But for me, the reason why I watched this film close to, if I haven't watched it 100 times, I've watched it pretty damn close to 100 times. The reason I loved it so much is because of that. It's because it's always felt to me like no matter what, at the end of the day, the good guy will win. 
you know, and the little shit that lies, that deceits, that tries to undermine, it's very timely if you think yeah. about it, yeah. will lose. And I love that idea, whether it's true or not, whether that's the reality or not. I hold on to that sheer fact that, you know, when Johnny was perceived as a bad guy, he would get his ass kicked by Daniel. When, you know, fucking Drago was the bad guy, he would get his ass kicked by Rocky. You know, like, th these are the things I hold on to. Uh, you know, JCVD and Bloodsport beating Ev Chong Lee. It's like, these are the things I love. Mm -hmm. And so the Warriors falls into that category. It is, it is total escapism, total, like, the good guys will win. Don't worry. You know, it's all going to be good. Yeah, we're going to lose some really lovable characters along the way. But at the end of the day, Swan, who is my favorite and always will be, Swan prevails yeah. with his girl. And he's got the girl, whether she's got a mustache or not, you know, <laughs> and, neither here nor there. And I totally, I, after, this is our 40th proper episode of our show, our 40th Crazy. review. I totally understand why this is your favorite movie. I yeah, get it. Most of the movies I pick are underdog I, movies. I, I totally, <laughs> totally fucking get it. I, I really do. But like, I just want to say, I, I guess, you know, this movie made me want to, makes me want to go play the video game. Like that says a lot. Like if oh, I didn't enjoy great. the movie, I wouldn't care. I want to know more about these characters. I, I like the, that's the thing. Like I really enjoyed these characters and that I think is what makes this movie elevated to the next level. I think the characters, I think, I think the the things that they tried to do with this film, I mean, there is no other movie that I've seen that is like this. This no, is no one. No one can compare this to anything no. else. I'm sorry, and and if they do, they're wrong. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> I don't like I don't even know what genre it is. It it the Warriors is Chase. just the Warriors. It is yeah. its own genre, its own movie. It is its own thing, and it should absolutely be viewed by everybody. I, I can't, I truly can't praise it enough. I, I really can't, but I just, I didn't love it the same way that like, I, I loved like Prince of Darkness. Like, man, the first time you should, like, I watched Prince of Darkness with you, I was, I was riveted. I was just, I was floored by, by what I was seeing and everything, you know? And it, but, but that being said, we don't rate movies here, but if Prince of Darkness is a 10, I'm talking, this is like an 8.5. It's not that much lower. You know what I mean? But well, they're, they're incomparable. You know? they're, they're, it's, yes. It's, they're, they're incomparable. They're absolutely incomparable, but yeah, this, I loved it. Dude. I mean, what? Well, I had fun with it. I had a ton of fun yeah, with it. Yeah, it's fun. It's like, a lot I, I, of fun. People have always said to me, why is this your favorite movie of all time? And that's the reason I tell them, because it's fun. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, for me, for me, it is the most fun and, 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 and a movie I can watch over and over and over again. Like, Terry and I, I remember every time we get together, he's like, bro, let's put on The Warriors. And, and it's, we may not even watch the thing we might talk through the entire movie but just this idea yeah. it's it's like such a nostalgic thing it's that comfort zone it's that welcome it's that old blanket that you put on at night that just feels so good but maybe it's not the best blanket in the world but it feels so good when you put it on and for me like it was so cool to be able to break this movie down i like i told you i take i took more 
dialogue notes than I ever have in my entire life just because I wanted to be able to say the words out loud of some of these funny famous lines from this movie um classic yeah. so I mean I'm just <laughs> happy that we got to review it on the show me me dude me too I, I I truly am I I truly am I had so much fun with it and you said it earlier in the the review there's like no fucking downtime to this movie this movie is go from the beginning just right out of the gate it is on and moving and wow 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 it's not flawless but it's fun yeah it's not it's carefree yep and it's 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 a reminder that originality exists in this world and that we can keep doing shit like this it's a reminder that sometimes originality outweighs like technical proficiency and stuff like that you know what i yeah, mean no like doubt. i would rather see see originality so i'm glad we did this dude i'm gl- i'm I, I know that this is going to be a very downloaded episode i am curious to see ultimately years from now which one will be a higher more downloads uh the thing or or the warriors but uh good job bro good job breaking this down good job thank you for taking me on this journey thank you for getting me the theatrical cut thank you for you know just catching me up to the warriors buddy thank you dude i i'm glad that i know this movie now as well as I do after doing this because it was a it was a big piece of the tapestry that I was missing from my soul and and I'm glad that it's back in into my uh my Akashic record so thank you me too thank you buddy me too and FYI uh I think it's FYE the 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 they sell like DVDs and basically like the sun coast of the internet uh they have a steel book of of the warriors which i do own it's the director's cut and then it comes with a dvd version of the theatrical cut okay and to be totally honest with you that that the theatrical cut looks just as good as the blu-ray like yeah. it, it's it's the, the dvd the quality is just the same like it, it's it's pretty top notch well, like I, I will say when i was watching with my wife i was like Oh man, I miss 1970s film stock. And at some point, like, I don't want this to be pristinely cleaned up. Like, no. I love old you don't film need it. stock you and don't how need it, it looks. Yeah, it's so good, dude. Yeah. So you can get, you know, guys, like, you can you can get the you can get that one. I think it's like 20 bucks on Fye, uh, the Steelbook, and it's a cool case. I own it as well. I own like four different versions of this movie. And- and can I just say, like, real quick, we probably should have said at the top, but just the the famous artwork of oh, the poster, of, of the, poster the, the, is like... the poster art, and it's like you know, there's a couple different posters. The there's like the more traditional poster, but then there's the one where they painted every single fucking gang member, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, what an impressive piece of art to be created for this movie. Like, like you can just tell that that Walter Hill just you know knew what he wanted type of thing so it's funny you say that because that poster is my all-time favorite poster of of all times yeah. i think it's it is the greatest next to streets of fire because there there are um one sheets of just michael Perret and different colors that are really oh, badass yeah, for streets of fire yeah. but that warriors poster is amazing and i i will point out that the lizzie gang member looks a little like rembrandt yeah. and then mercy <laughs> looks like another girl like they they interchange the faces of the main cast members throughout the 
the art on the gang poster. It's funny. If you look at it and analyze it, like one person looks like Vermin, one person looks like Cochise. It's supposed to be Cleon. It's like Cleon's outfit, but it's Cochise's face. Yeah. And yeah, little weird. And Swan doesn't quite look like Swan. He looks like a very, like, com, like, like a, um, like a perf- a, a perfect version of, of Michael Beck sort of thing. Um, uh, it's it's interesting, but at the same time, it's beautiful. It oh, is no. beautiful. It, it's funny to kind of analyze though, because I have analyzed it. Oh, I'm well sure over you the have. Past twenty thirty years. So. Yeah, but dude, oh, good shit, man. Thank you, thank you for this, buddy. I'm yeah. I'm glad we went on this this journey. And uh, and speaking of journeys, if uh, if you like '80s and you like nostalgia and you like soundtracks, why don't you go on a journey with Zach and Dustin on Two Dollar Late Fee? Hey, thanks for the cheap plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, Two Dollar Late Fee. It's a two dollar plug, baby. It's a two dollar plug. Yeah, we're '80s nostalgic. Uh, we are. Like official, officially, unofficially, in a in a in a weird way, like kicking off our second season, um, in, in in just kind of a more of a fun promotional way. Uh, we we covered my favorite movie this month as well, Real Genius, my favorite '80s movie of all time. We covered Real Genius. Wait a minute. Uh, so which which one do you like better? What is your all time oh. ultimate favorite movie? The Warriors okay. is my number one. Okay. Number two is Real Genius. And okay. it is so fitting, it, totally coincidental. Well, but some people might not say it. coincidence is not a thing. It's synchronicity, baby. It's synchronicity. We covered Real Genius on $2 Late Fee, my favorite of all time. And we've got an upcoming interview with Mitch, the one of the stars of Real Genius, Gabe Jarrett, on $2 Late Fee. A great, inter- great interview. He was also in Karate Kid 3, amongst other things. We talk a little bit about that. Um, and yeah, we have a fun time on $2 Late Fee. We talk 80s movies, soundtracks, nostalgia, uh, try to keep it light and positive in a good way, and have fun along the same time. But hey, Corey, on the other hand, is on another podcast called Cartwright. <laughs> Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. That's yes. right. <laughs> Every week, uh, me and our pal, Adam, Zach's, uh, Zach's friends with Adam also, and uh, we talk about uh, Seinfeld. It's, it's right in the name. There you go. So we have a great time talking about Seinfeld. We uh, were pretty much getting close to the end of season five, which means, man, we fucking cranked out about 80-some episodes at That's this impressive. point. That's impressive. That is wild, but uh, we're having a good time, and, uh, you know, season six is uh, right around the corner, so we're just plugging away at, at Cartwright, having a good time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have you know know at this point, but we are a part of a podcast network called the BFOP Network, which is kind of like a nostalgic podcast uh, uh, network with uh, other shows like Blast from Our Past and Talking Back. Both of those are they put out some great shit, man. Seriously, like like at Christmas time. First off, both of them did Die Hard, which is great. So you know, if if you like nostalgia. Check out Blast from Our Past. I like to joke when I talk to Adam on Cartwright. I like to joke that um, the you know podcasting after dark is the dark shadow of the Blast from Our Past. You know <laughs> they they cover they do the same thing we do. They they go through the movie, they break it down, yada yada yada. But 
they do a little bit more mainstream uh, uh, stuff from the 80s and the 90s, whereas, you know, Zach and I get into the the weird shit where Adam likes to say on car, he's like, I don't even know half the movie you guys are talking about. Oh, and and (laughs) if if he thinks that's the case, wait till we get to the nitty gritty dirt band (laughs) of 2021. I am going to take Corey on a on a fun phantasmagorical adventure this year. Like guys, I know this is our first episode of 2021 and that's the reason again, why I chose this movie fits perfectly, but the rest of this year will be filled with films that he has never heard of, (laughs) or if he has, he's never seen, I guarantee you. And it's going to blow, you know, you know, know it's going to blow my mind. You know, you can count on, the dirty dredges with Zleazy Z. <laughs> I yeah, I I think uh, what you have like I know what you have sitting over there. I guess at this point we've we've kind of fallen into our roles. I I do a bit more of the mainstream cult movies, whereas you do the the three fifteens, the moments of truth, the which I love. I'm glad we we have them on our on our repertoire. But da- Zach digs deep and in, into the uh, the annals of the annals of history. <laughs> oh, and the annals too. <laughs> the and annals and too. I, I, you know, people are like, "What are you gonna do now that you've covered all the teen exploitation films, except for Bad Boys?" And I won't do that one because it's more of a drama. What are you gonna do next? Well, guess what, folks? We're gonna go on a retrospective. Ooh. But I'm not going to tell you what that is. You're just going to have to listen. If you listen, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you'll f- maybe you'll find out ahead of time. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's def- definitely something you'll want to know ahead of time. Yes, yes, we have uh, we have quite. The extensive Patreon uh, uh, page, if you guys want to check us out, we have our our entire catalog of shows completely ad-free for just $2. And then if you want to up it to $5, you all, you get that. Plus, you also get our entire back catalog of interviews after dark. And holy shit, boy, do we have some, some people there. We have people like Stephen Kostansky, the director of The Void, co-director of The Void. We have t- uh, Tom Matthews, Stephen Jeffries, Tony Tempest. Pone, Diane Franklin, Zach Ward, Brian Usna, Jeanette Goldstein, John Philbin, Tom Holland, John is dark. My God, composer Richard Band, fucking, oh my God, uh, Mark Ralston, oh my God, we have Thomas G. Waits coming soon. We have, uh, we're going to be recording with Scott Valentine. <laughs> and then the week after that, we've got an interview with, well, he, he used to go by the name of Nick Corey. But he's now goes by Jesus Garcia. Ooh, oh, what my. a wild journey! What a wild interview that's going to be. And, and, and yeah, by Scott the way, Valentine and Nick Corey. Come on, by the Nick way, of, yeah, go ahead. My wife, because uh, he also goes by Jesus uh, Garcia, right? And and it's it's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious how that works. But my wife immediately knew who he was. Like like oh cause, I, yeah, because she's know a who big fan of of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, no. uh, Wildcats. Uh, well, dude, gotcha. dude, by the way, my sister one summer watched Wildcats every single day, and I can't wait to tell him about that. So, guys and gals, check out our Patreon. We have more shows coming to Patreon. It's ooh, 2021 is going to be the year of podcasting after dark. Calling it now, buddy. Calling it now. So, as we always say... We'll catch you on the dark side.
Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>